Hello, everybody. It's the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Bird, and with me is my very disorganized co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Barmley, hi. How are you? Hi. Uh, this is already, like, the worst intro we've ever done. Now, no, I uh, think our one with Trevor was, was worse than this, and, though. And, and Matt... Um, he he just woke up and uh, I believe he, uh, Matt. I believe you're masticating at the moment <laughs> as well, right? I am. I am eating some delicious pizza casserole Ooh. and oh, bread. That sounds fantastic. Um, it is. <laughs> all right. So uh, while he does that, I'll uh, I'll introduce um, the rest of these guys. If you um, heard some hyena-like cackles a moment ago. Uh, that was most likely our friend Jared, Jared, Hi. Jared Faust. Hello. Like the, uh, 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 the, the Xenorama guy, I guess. Is that what you're known? <laughs> is, is that what you're known? Xeno, Xeno, Xenophana. There we go. Xenophobic. Yeah. <laughs> Xenorama's, uh, a fanzine. Yeah, Xenorama was, right. he was on Monster Zero, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, he did the the yeah the Xenorama fanzine. There you go. Well, I mean, they they're whatever. Um, uh, and this is an Ultraman episode. If you if you can't tell, which usually means uh, we enlist the aid of our friend Connor Anderson. Hello, I'm <clears throat> I'm back. Yep, back. To talk about Ultraman Ace. Hell yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is, uh, what, the, the fifth series, if you count Ultra Q? Mm-hmm. Yeah, depending on how you count it, either the fourth or the fifth. Yes. The, fo- the fourth Ultraman series. The fifth Ultra series. Yes. I, I, always get really, I always feel really weird when people drop, when people leave out Q. You or just like oh it's 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 the thing like no it's essential yeah no it's it's like Q isn't just like some weird thing like Ultraman's a spin-off of Ultra Q like yeah yeah it's weird yeah it, it's weird that uh, that's just how it happened where the spin-off is the thing that led to a billion different iterations. And I mean, luckily, Ultraman had Zoffy, so, you know, the numbering is fine. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
Well, um, actually, it gets a little wonky if you remember Seven Superior from Ultra Seven, but I don't. Who was that? <laughs> I don't he either. Was a, he, <laughs> he was an asshole, so we don't need to remember. <laughs> he had a superior. Uh, he did. All right. Well, look at that. Um. So yeah, let's let's get into this, and I, I think there's a, a good amount of stuff we can say uh, to give Matt. Here, uh, time to eat his his pizza. Disgusting casserole. pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And uh, all right. Well, uh, Connor, I'm I'm giving you the floor here to give us uh, the backstory of Ultraman Ace, the origin right. story, if you will, of the the show itself, or the uh, just the the no, show's not, general. No, not the guy. Fuck him. I mean the show. <laughs> All right, so uh, Ultraman Ace, um, again, is, depending on how you look at it, is the fourth Ultraman show, but it's the fifth overall Ultra show. <clears throat> it was an Ultraman show that was made in response to the, uh, to the popularity of shows like Kamen Rider, and this is a show that introduced a lot of interesting little quirks to the series. Um, so basically, <clears throat> this is the first show that has an overarching main villain, and, you know, this is meant to sort of be kind of a riff on the, the villainous shocker um, from Kamen Rider. And uh, in addition to that, we have a really interesting setup. We have the, uh, the human hosts of the show being a man and a woman who fuse together into, the old <clears throat> into Ultraman Ace. And following that, this is also the first... <coughs> Ultraman series to have a thank you. Allergies are terrible here. This is the first Ultraman series to have um, a regular amount of crossovers. Uh, Return of Ultraman would have a couple crossovers here and there in that sh show, but they weren't as major as this. And we're going to be seeing a lot of the past Ultras have a lot of guest appearances here uh, from here on out. So, like, this is really the show that popularized, popularized that sort of uh, that trope the Ultra where the Brothers. past Ultraman, you know come back the ultra brothers you know coming back to job this week against some monster that turns them to gold statues or some shit hell yeah um in this one uh there were it's like a, what is it a combination of three different uh i guess scre screenwriters wrote three different pilots and it was kind of different things were taken from each one uh, yeah, so the first, <clears throat> there's a couple different iterations of the show. There was uh, um, Ultra Hunter, Ultra V, and Ultra Fighter. And all of them sort of kind of got molded into Ace. Um, like the first, one of the first drafts, I think it was, I believe, Ultra, it was uh, Ultra Fighter. Um, they had a human mad scientist as the main villain. And Ultra V featured um, evil, you know, space aliens called the Satan aliens, kind of, uh, you know, a sort of prototype for what Yapu would become. I hope you can't hear my dog, by the way. Uh, we can, um, but it's it's okay. It's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So they were they kind of took bits and pieces from each of these pilots. Um, another interesting thing was to. <laughs> she she has opinions too um to uh to help differentiate from the past uh 
you know, the other hero shows in the past, ultra shows, Ace does mention um, a galactic federation in the uh, in the first episode when he gives Hokuto and Minami his uh, his ultra rings, which was supposed to like be a lead into sort of a um, a greater shared universe between the ultra series and shows like Mirror Man and Jumbo Ace and Triple Fighter, but that that didn't pan out. So they were uh, trying to do like a. Avengers kind of thing, <laughs> almost. I guess if you want to, if you want to call it a cinematic universe, sure. Um, yeah, that was the that was the intention, but that never really planned out. But they, we like, can get they, to had, that. they had like a couple of things. There was like some actor cameos from like Mirror Man to Fireman and stuff like that. I think. Yeah. Um, so you'd have cameos here and there. Uh, Gorgosaurus from Mirror Man shows up in Ultraman Taro, mm-hmm. uh, and then Jumbo itself has many of the supporting characters from Mirror Man showing up and becoming main characters in the second half of the show. Okay. Yeah, so there, there's bits and pieces there that connect them all, but they're not, it's not really a cohesive whole Didn't, like they had planned. Yeah. I, I also, also worth mentioning, because we were talking about uh, Ultra Series versus Ultraman Series, this was originally Ultra Ace. Um, yeah. And there was like a copyright issue, so they had to change it to Ultraman Ace. So yeah. this is this is what made it the Ultraman series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ultra Ace was, I believe, a toy that was released around the end of Return of Ultraman. It was like a kind of a Ultraman ripoff character. Um, and Super, I found out the hard way that this character existed, and they couldn't just <laughs> use that name. Ah. Um. So uh, we kind of talked about uh, uh, the plot a little bit, but yeah, the idea here is that there's a, an alien race, right, the Yapool, who are usually depicted as, like, this blurry psychedelic screen with weird aliens just walking around. Because <laughs> they're, they're, they're in an alternate dimension. Yeah, you know, they gotta look weird. They look a little bit like the, the Cicada Man. Yeah, they kind of... They kind of do look like the second kind of man. From what I can tell, it, it looks kind of the whenever they show up, it, it uh, like it almost looks like for anyone anyone our age, which we're dating ourselves here. If you ever used to like go like flip channels late at night and come across like the scrambled porn, like, <laughs> it's the where it's just this like blurry mishmash of of colors, and you're trying to like make out like certain shapes. That's why I feel trying to like figure out like what these things look like yeah if you if you there's some toys of them and they look like like really simplified versions of like kimmer or zetan mm-hmm. um like that pointy head um or or like i guess some of the shocker villains too kind of had the same kind of pointy like almost like clan yeah, they, they, yeah that's the kind of vibe i got from them was kind of a shocker ripoff sort of thing um apparently akihiko iguchi drew up a design for them that made them like walking lionfish with like long spindly spider legs. Oh, that's but, cool. Yeah. Super cool um, design, but I could see why that they wouldn't go for it. Cause I could imagine it'd be a budgetary nightmares, you know, given the way the Yapool were portrayed until later in the series, I, I can't see why it would have been that difficult, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like I, I feel it feels like it would have been just like a more complicated version of uh, 
pole from yeah. Seven. But that's the like, that's the other thing though. Um, we see I, I after like seven, there's like a a drought up until like the end game of Leo of like puppet based monsters. Like the, you get like one in Ace, and then that's it. Because um, mm. I I can't recall any from Return of Ultraman. Seven had Tara. quite a few. Seven has a shit ton of puppet monsters. Like every other episode, they throw a new like puppet or marionette mm-hmm. at you. Mm-hmm. Kind of dig it. Um, yeah, same. And I, yeah, and I well, I guess the Yapool, their whole thing is um, they. I, I, what are they? I, they just want to take over Earth, basically. I... They're they're basically Satan. Um, they they feed off of and you know want to cause suffering and misery and embody you know things like hatred and destruction and so they target Earth. Um, I was under the impression they were like at war with the Ultras. Yeah. Yeah. Mephius kind of gives that off, too. But, like, at the same time, I could easily just see them being like, yeah, let's just fuck with this planet. Why not? <laughs> They're assholes. We are the Dark Wizards. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, they do that with the kaiju, which are called Terrible Monsters. Uh, I know this was a little bit of a point of contention with... I'm, I'm new to this stuff. Uh, uh, but I know that was a little bit of a point of contention <clears throat> with you guys... Who are more seasoned ultra vets that they uh, they should the, you prefer what is it Cho- choju 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 yeah it means super beast okay as opposed to like kaiju is strange beast and then choju is super beast is there what what's the difference between a super beast and a strange beast uh well a character <laughs> <laughs> well there's that if we want to look into the uh, the lore of the show. The thing is about the Choju is they're not just like dinosaurs that are woken up, and they're not just like atomic mutations or just random space monsters like Zedin and Elaking. <clears throat> they're basically like a combination of anim- uh, real-world animals and space organisms, and are combined in a you know by Apple in a way that makes them stronger monsters. Like yeah, they're they're, they're bio weapons. Sometimes they they're have- just like inanimate objects. <laughs> yeah, we got, yeah. got a violin monster in yeah. one episode. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, and a lot of them, a lot of them will have like, um, like mechanical, like cyborg components. Like, uh, like I know, like Vaxim has like uh, friggin' like targeting eyes, and you know, uh, yeah, Velocron, Velocron. Yeah, like produces missiles inside <laughs> its body. You know. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 like cyborg bioweapons basically. Um and so yeah, then then it you know, you get your standard kind of usually there's some kind of mystery about the monster and then the Ultraman Ace kills the monster and you know, uh rinse wash repeat. Um I- you you missed the part where Ultraman Ace kills the monster in incredibly violent ways. Uh, yes, that happens. That happens as well, which is to be predicted <laughs> <laughs> at this point. Um, and then the Yapool disappear. What maybe halfway through the series or something? Roughly halfway, I'd say. Um, and uh, they there's a couple episodes where they kind of come back. Most notably, the finale. Um, but uh, they, 
so so what is the deal with that? Are we are we to believe that they're still behind all the monster attacks at that point? The implication I kind of get from uh, that episode where they kill off Yapple is Yapple is destroyed, but his cells, you know, are scattered through the universe and they become Choju or they infect other things to create Choju. Um, but I mean, then there's like, there's also like, it feels like in like when, like when he's dying and he's like, you know, my, like my monsters will be a curse or something along that line. It feels like there's also still some that are just already out there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, my dog has some very strong opinions about <laughs> the latter half of Ace. <laughs> I know. I hate Anumezu too. <laughs> Um, oh, we're going to talk about him. Um, yeah, we'll get to him in a minute. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's kind of, it's, I don't know, it's kind of a weird variety. Like, it, it feels, I, I don't know if we're, if we're getting into it already, but, like, it feels a little directionless in the second half. Yeah. Like, is, it, is it that they're spawning from cells? Are there some that are already there? Or, like, you know... Is this just a, 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 a rejected Return of Ultraman script? <laughs> I know one of them probably was, but we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, I think I know the one you're thinking of, too. Yeah. It's weird that, um, like, that they did that, even though, like, the only thing missing from those episodes are, like, a few seconds of that blurry footage of them, like, pressing buttons or whatever. Yeah. And in some of those episodes, it would have made all the difference, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, we got our our uh, our cast of characters here. Um, our uh, ultra host. Uh, we have uh, Seiji Hokuto and Yuko Minami. Uh, she would be written out of the show. Um, in, she gets poochied. Yes, uh, literally. Um, <laughs> Yes, if you're familiar with the Simpsons episode with the new itchy and scratchy character Poochie, where uh, he's written off the show by saying uh, he has to go to space, his planet needs him, uh, that's literally what happens here. And uh, that's what, episode 30, it's like the mid-30s or something? It's episode 28. Oh, okay, it's before that. Um, There's varying alleged reasons why this occurred, but... uh, I think, I think the one that is most, uh, most widely accepted is that uh, it had to do with well, sexism, um, yeah. and and you know fan mail over you know not liking the the female ultra host and how kids on the playground didn't want to play with girls and so there right right am I getting that right yeah um. Well, that's unfortunate because she's probably my favorite character in this series. <laughs> yeah, she's great. She's um, wonderful. Like when 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 the episode knows how to use her, it it's fantastic. I also think you know, there's there's some really great moments um, in just like trying to figure out oh how are we going to transform, uh, such as the uh, episode with the planet Golgotha, where Seiji's on the rocket, but Yuko's on Earth, and there's this really great scene where they, they transform by putting their hands up to the monitors. Um, like it's really, really clever, creative stuff. And it kind of just kind of gets lost after, you know, she has to go back to the moon. 
Yeah. I do feel like, I mean, they do utilize it well in a few episodes. Uh, I do feel like that idea of needing two separate people, I feel like that that that's not used as a foil as much as I, I would have Yeah, see? Yeah, uh, yeah, see. I'm, that's not that's I'll not used right as back. a foil as much as I I would have liked. You know, most yeah. of the time they're just like right next to each other. <laughs> or or if they are separated, they figure out like, oh, I can like like travel through this alternate dimension and do it or something. It's it's never like I would have liked to see maybe an episode where like at the beginning they get separated and the whole episode is like they they're tr- they have to try to figure out how to how to find each other and and transform or, or yeah. something like that. You know? Yeah, I, I I agree. Like it definitely like and especially too because it feels excuse me it feels like a lot of times they don't really know what to do with her. And so they just kind of have the episode as, you know, the Hokuto adventure show because that's what they know how to write already. And he's, he's Hideki Go 2.0. And and, that is charming. And not, and not as, as much charming. domestic violence. No. <laughs> Although there uh, is a little bit, but not as, not as much. He does, he does get to smack Dan and Meizu around a bit, which <laughs> honestly, I'm, t- I'm totally fine <laughs> that, with. That's cathartic. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah. You know, and and then like you know, at the end of the episode, oh yeah, minor inconvenience. We got to get we got to get Yuko back onto screen. So, um, uh, so I, th- those episodes. I mean, there's still there's still some good ones within that, but like yeah, those episodes kind of you can kind of feel her getting ready to leave yeah. as you're getting closer to it. You know, it's a cool idea, uh, and when she was around, I wish they. would took advantage of it more and it's more, it's also disappointing that they haven't done it since. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it you know cuz they did they did a they did a similar thing with Common Rider Double and they come up with a lot of really interesting scenarios in that show for like oh god, you know and in that one too you have one of the one of the characters they leave their body and so like the body has to be protected, <laughs> you know. Um, and so there's a lot of really interesting ideas that they play with throughout that show and an Ultraman age. Not really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can, I can forgive it a bit because it's, you know, 1972 and it's oh, sure. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I, I think if they committed to the bit, we would have a stronger program. Um, unfortunately, but it's a shame that, yeah. Um, it hasn't been done in an ultra series since. Like we've seen quite a few ultra series in recent years where there's two or so ultras running around, like with Geed and Rube and Taiga. But you know, we haven't really seen. Oh, this ultra has two hosts again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will. I will say as much as I hate that they wrote Minami off the show, it is now one of my favorite little bits of lore. That you know, Minami is Princess of Moon. You know, yeah. Um, and and the and the, the and some of her her cameos and and later shows were really fun because of I, that. I think you know if if Minami having to be written out means we got the the Mochiron episode of Taro, then it was totally worth it. I don't disagree, and and also yeah, the, she 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 shows up again later on down the line in this show as well, and I really love that moment as well. So she shows up in that Taro episode, I take it? Yes. Oh, it is. <laughs> we'll we'll get to that when you guys when we review Taro, but it's it's one of the best Ultraman holiday specials and okay. it's 
it's, it's also an, one it, of the weirdest episodes in the franchise. It's, it's probably glorious. the single best episode of Taro. Okay. Um, and and I guess uh, she was actually originally played by a different actress uh, before they got, what is it, Mitsuko Hoshi. Uh, uh, they had, um, I don't have her name in front of me, but she played uh, Maya in I, the Metron two-parter. She was originally cast as Yuko, and there, there's uh, pictures floating around on the internet of like them shooting the at least oh. the pilot. Yeah, them shooting at least the pilot with her. I'm not. I don't. I, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen those photos. Um, yeah. yeah, I think they did shoot the pilot, um, and all, like there's a bunch of differences from the pilot to the rest of the show because like the Ace's suit changes, the material that the tack costumes are changed. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't realize that she went on to play Maya. Yeah, yeah. I'm not Connor. Do you recall offhand what exactly the story was there? Uh, no, not offhand, unfortunately. Yeah, um, I, I, I could be getting this mixed up with other other stuff. Uh, maybe, maybe later on when we're talking at length about something and you guys are talking about something, I'll I'll Google it real quick. But I feel <laughs> like there might she might have gotten injured or something. Um. Anyway, yeah, if uh, yeah, I'll figure it out if I remember uh, before the end of the episode, just so I don't uh, lead our our listeners uh, astray here. Um, anyway, then we have uh, Mikawa, who is um, she's basically fulfilling the 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 girl uh, role of the team. Um, she's decently proactive but um you know there's nothing too remarkable about her i mean i don't she's like perfectly fine she just doesn't you know like most of the women in these shows she just kind of sits in front of a radar all day um, i like I, I, she I, exists I think, yeah i think i think honestly it's not by much but i do think she's a better character than oka in the last show and i don't even remember the girl in taro what her name was um <laughs> they have a couple in taro um oh yeah they have still, like a whole like and for me Anne is still the best one yeah seven. I, I will say about mikawa like one of like her focus episodes are really good like when they give her an episode and they give her more than one which is nice um they're usually uh pretty good and i also really like the touch and I don't know if it, if it's dropped after the first like quarter of the show, um, or if I'm just not remembering other instances of it. But in, in a couple episodes, she has like gadget jewelry that I'm assuming she made herself, which is like my favorite little bit. <laughs> um, uh, like she has like all these like like these like, these little like bomb jewelry contraptions that she carries around with her, and it makes me really happy. I remember the what is it, Garen? Uh, episode where like yeah, uh, yeah. some incel manga artist that <laughs> we should talk about that episode. That one's I watched that one the other day actually with my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Aside from that one, what other episodes should, does she have? Uh, she showed up in the one of the snow episodes, didn't she? Um, I can't remember specifically the snow episodes, but the other one that I was thinking of was the uh, the common rider parody. Um, with the, with uh, Black Satan. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Get some time in that too. Yeah, um, uh, and then and then the the other the other moment with the jewelry is in episode five, which is my favorite of the my favorite episode of the show. Is she has a little bit where she um 
she takes off a brooch that she's wearing and throws it at Adagunta and it holds him off for a little while. Okay, I don't remember the Black Satan episode too well. But, you know, I mean, that's always been my struggle with all these shows is, you know, there's so many episodes that a lot of them kind of blend together at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we have um, uh, Kano, who is uh, the chubbier dude. <laughs> right? And he's he spends most of the show uh, being yelled at for really no no real reason. Um. That's pretty much all there is to him. <laughs> yeah, he he was kind of uh, he's kind of like the, like what the first of like the the chubby klutz archetype on the show. I guess yeah. you want to. I, I mean, I guess Arashi kind of fills that too, even though you know he's not that chubby. Yeah. Um, and then uh, so I I have the the booklet from the Mill Creek set in front of me, and so I'm on the characters page. Then they have a guy that's so unremarkable that they forgot him in the booklet. <laughs> Uh, and then, oh my god, you're right. <laughs> and and, then, and uh, what? What's this? What's his name? He's uh, he's uh, Yoshimura. There we go. Um, he's the pretty boy. Yeah, yeah. he really Very doesn't pretty. do. He does so little in this show that I'm not sure why they even bothered paying the actor to. He's the main Still character up. in your favorite episode. Yeah, in the co- yeah, he's uh, he's got one episode where he he takes uh, front and center uh, with Kaura. Um, but yeah, he's so unmemorable that he's not even in the the booklet here. Um, and then we have the I don't know what you want to call him the assistant or the second in charge uh, Yamanaka. Who this guy? I don't know what this guy's deal is, but he's perpetually angry. And he's the, he's the gun guy. He's all the, he he's all he does is yell at people. He's he's the show's requisite. Uh, what is your damage character? Yeah. Um, so you know he's he's the Arashi. He's um I can't remember the guy's name in in uh Return of Ultraman. That's Kushida. Yes. No. Yeah, th- this too. guy. This guy's a different breed. This guy. Those guys did not have the temper of this man. This man has the rage of a thousand suns inside of him. I, I think I think we remember Return of Ultraman differently then. <laughs> yeah, Kushida was fucking pissed throughout like the, a good chunk of the beginning of that show. No, oh, this Lord. guy, this guy. There's there's an episode where uh, Hokuto is like, "Yeah, I'm taking care of this sick kid." Like, I might be a little late, and this guy just like blows a gasket. He blows he's, a gasket every five seconds. He's a very edgy boy. Yes. Um, and then uh, then we have the captain who um, uh, usually uh, tells him, like, hey, yo, like, chill. Like, whatever you're yelling about isn't that serious. Uh, and then he, he usually is able to calm, calm people down. Um so those are our characters. Uh, I already said my favorite, wh- who, which is uh, Yuko. But uh, what about the rest of you, you, you clowns? Well, um, I, I'd say Yuko is probably my favorite, but I also kind of like Kono because he's just kind of you know, he's kind of a goofy guy. You know, you, you'd think there'd be a lot of hard asses on this anti-demonic space cyborg monster invasion, but he's we got a goofy guy there. Um. Okay. All right. 
Uh, Jared, who who's your favorite of this this team here? Um, I mean, honestly, uh, of like not counting our our main characters, I I would say probably a tie between Mikawa and the captain. And I know I know Mikawa isn't given a whole lot to do, but like the, again, the episodes where she stands out, I really like her. Um, and then. The captain is just very soothing. He's a very calming presence. He is. <laughs> He's one of my favorite captains. He's a good captain. Yeah. He is a good captain. Uh, well, I heard Matt, who... Um, uh, my, his... uh, my casserole was done. Okay, yeah. Okay, now, now that you got a, a belly full of casserole, um, which, of these, which of these goofballs is uh, your favorite one? Yeah, I mean, I, I would just... Yuko is is definitely the best. If I'm not picking, you know, between her or Hokuto, I'd, I'd go with Kano. I, I he just he's kind of doofy and he just sort of interjects a lot of. Um, and he, he makes me cracks up whenever he's you know, whenever he's on the screen. So I I think out of like all the personalities in the show, he brings the most to it. Although I do like the captain. He does have this sort of soothing presence when he's when he's doing stuff. Uh, yeah, I could see him in his later years, like, uh, be like reading, like, uh, on like one of those, like, calm, soothing, like, go to sleep apps. Oh, Captain, Captain, you doing, uh, ASMR? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm totally, I would totally. Do Super, that. I should get on, in on that. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's hilarious that none of us said Okuto is our favorite. Uh, yeah, as far as ultra protagonists, um, for the Showa series anyway, he's he's probably my least favorite of the bunch. Um, he's not as charming as Hayata. He's not as well-developed as Dan. He's not as hilariously <laughs> horrible of a person as Go. Um but uh, he, 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 he but he first, he but does have his moments. Up. Usually, they're moments of stupidity, um, because he's <laughs> <laughs> because he's 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 an idiot, um, and so every now and kind then of a there's Kotaro in a way. <laughs> yeah, I think Kotaro Kotaro like got the charisma and fucking ran with it, and Hokuto is just. Not, I have a, I have a soft spot for Hokuto though because I like him as well. This was my first. Showa Ultra Show, which I can go into that more later. <laughs> um, but like I like every time Hokuto shows up, like now and like you know, old man Hokuto, I always like yeah, you know, it makes me really happy. Um, but I mean, now that I've seen more of the Showa stuff, I'm like yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, there's the one where like the there's the kid's dad that died. And he was gonna give his child an Ultraman Ace toy, and and the captain's like, "You should get a new one because this one's head got ripped off by an evil alien." And he was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I should do that." <laughs> and then there, yeah, and then uh, I I was talking the other day about um, when he had to go to the dentist, and he went to this like broken down. <laughs> Like a warehouse that just had a dentist chair in the middle of the room, and the only person working was this really suspicious woman. And then it turned out she was an evil alien. It's like, yeah, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> um, uh, and then, uh, 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 Yoshimura, there's literally nothing to him, but since everyone else that he works with is insane. I just imagine that I just imagine that the show shows us so little of him because he's 
he's the type that just goes to work every day and is just like, you know, okay, just he's just, here to do his job. Yeah, and clock I'm, out. I'm just here to clock in and and go home and just you know remember the, you know, the good medical and dental benefits and. <laughs> He, he's just grinding through the day as best as he can, like all of us. He's all of us. And I think about him so little watching the show that, like, thinking about him now in this conversation just makes me love him more. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, he's 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 all of us. He's stuck in a job <laughs> full of lunatics that he probably doesn't like, and he's just like, I just want to get through the work day. Um, and then of course, who could forget the sixth? Ultra brother, um, Dan Yumizu, who is introduced uh, pretty much when once Yuko is 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 uh, launched yep. into space, right? It's literally the next episode. Yeah, um, yep. yeah. So they their their way of <laughs> making your, up for yeah. So so <laughs> the, their their way of making up for this was to give us an irritating child companion. Um, whose existence in the show really isn't ever justified and he's uh he's he he how do you describe him aside from just he's the worst he's the worst i i mean they were they were Anger. trying they were they were clearly trying to retool the show to be more like return of ultraman at that stage yeah i don't know if it was like ratings or what but like yeah cuz the next the next like course of the show the next like 13 episodes is just there's a lot of ups and downs, and yeah, it really feels like they're really yeah. trying to do Return of Ultraman, and and they're doing like that last bit of Return of Ultraman, not the like really a really shitty bit of Return of Ultraman. Yeah, the the the, the, the one, one with the aliens trying to cause traffic accidents so they could take over the world and make a vacation spot kind of Return of Ultraman. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind the kid in Return of Ultraman though. Like, no, nah, Jiro's great. Yeah, he's Jiro's seemed, fantastic. He just seemed kind of normal. The best kid in this, these any of the shows. This but, kid like, is more. Uh, what's the kid in like the first half of the original Ultraman, and then they wrote him out. Without oh, explaining Hoshino, but worse. Yeah, he's a worse version of Hoshino. But yeah, it's like when 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 they had to write Yuko off, and like the show, like they're trying to retool the show, and like from Dan Umezu onward, they're just trying to chase the Return of Ultraman format, and like to varying results. Because I think like Ultraman Taro kind of does it better. But, yeah, Taro uh, does it better, but like Taro does it from the start, and they don't try to make the kid like the most important new thing. Yeah, like they they really do that thing where it's like, oh, the new character is the most important character, and you're gonna like whether you like it or not, you're gonna get a lot of this character. <laughs> um, and that is a threat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so that's our setup for the show and our characters. Um. Uh, this show, I think you, like you guys said, um, already, you know, it, it's kind of the next step in laying the foundation of, you know, the tropes of the franchise. Uh, for me as a newcomer, it's kind of interesting to see how each series has its own things that would become staples. Um, one thing that it, it's been used before, of course, um, but this series seems to be, lean a little bit heavier into... Um, the kind of uh, Christian um, religious imagery, which, from what I understand, uh, is mostly due to uh, the the writer 
Shinichi Ichikawa, um, his his Christian uh, influence, I guess. But you see that a lot. Um, you know, you you have the crucified ultras. Um, like we we talked about the monster Black Satan. Um, so there's a little bit more of that in here, and I and I I, th- I think the series would kind of repeat some of those those things later on, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, we'll talk about. Um, I guess now we can do. Do you guys want to do uh, monsters episodes or tokusatsu? Ooh, making this hard to decide. There's a lot oh, of man. good stuff we could talk about here. Yeah, we'll talk I mean, about I, all of them. I, I mean, just, I feel, uh, I, I feel, I feel like maybe, maybe episodes. I mean, for me personally, yeah. like talking about episodes covers all three of those. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, because uh, you know, I, I, okay. So if we're gonna get into episodes, and we're gonna we're gonna be talking about our least favorite episodes, our favorite episodes, things like that. Um, which, you know, that's going to be the meat of, of this podcast anyway. Um, shows like Matt and I have, Matt, we should probably figure out like a a normal structure for TV shows like we have for movies, you know, it's just one of those things that we do what, like a series every like couple months, like we really don't do them that much. So, um, as far as like reviewing TV series, we're still kind of like. Not, not well, especially one as dense as Ultraman. Where you have well, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. It, 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 it's it's one thing when you're doing like a Neo Ultra Q, or you know, when we do like Godzilla Singular Point, or or uh, or hell, even when we we do something like Zone Fighter, which is like twenty five, thirty some episodes. Like once you get into these Ultra shows, and we're talking like fifty some episodes, it's like. It's 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 unwieldy. I I don't know if there's a, a version of a podcast review for these that can be anything but unwieldy, just because there's so much of it. Like, um, uh, unless you unless we were to unless unless we were to do like a a thing where we did like, talked about like two episodes per podcast and really broke it down. So, um, that would take forever. Though. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> You'd be doing that and probably right before the end of humanity, really. Yeah. Um, for instrumentality, uh, yeah. <laughs> speaking of shorter TV shows that were easier to, <laughs> to review. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I've, I've talked a, a lot about, um, uh, all a lot of this stuff, uh, and we've we've kind of given previews uh, for some of mine. So I'll I'll kind of take a back seat, and um, uh, I'll not Matt. I'll nominate Matt since he's so far spent most of this eating his casserole. So Matt, why don't why don't you just? I don't know if you have it mentally prepared or whatever, but um, you know, just sh- shoot off. You know, random. Well, not random, but you know, shoot off. You know, maybe like five of your favorite episodes, kind of. And we'll, we'll kind of talk about each one a little bit. Step away for two seconds. Not not allowed, Jared. Not allowed. Sorry, I'm um, away for two seconds. I like how uh, I get to talk, and Jared's like, "You know what? F you, man. I'm gonna." <laughs> I'm gonna take <laughs> he doesn't want to. Yeah, he doesn't want to hear you talk. Apparently, <laughs> I'll listen, man. What do, what, what, do you, uh, what do you got? <clears throat> um, 
I mean, I you know, I actually really dig the pilot. And um Vericon's awesome, very memorable, and just kind of the way everything comes together and like it's 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 the thing about Ultraman Ace that I enjoy, I maybe for the wrong reason, is the show's like the editing and the way things happen in the show just feels so haphazard and kind of like slipshod and slapped together. But that makes it have this unique feel for the compared to the other shows that I've seen. And, you know, the pilot's no exception with the way everything sort of just comes together with the way that Ultraman Ace is formed. Um, I also love uh, Vacation, which is the, the third episode. It just It's really beautifully shot. And the whole battle on, was it Mount Fuji, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just really well staged. That's a, that's a fun episode. And then you, you have to talk about, like, the episode, which is, I think, episode eight uh, with Marucci. And Dorigori, where yeah. <laughs> one oh, yeah. of the monsters gets massacred in one of the most brutal. I mean, it's absolutely it's vicious. That that's, that 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 scene of Dorigori ripping him apart is it's basically become <laughs> a meme. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, I'm partially responsible for that. <laughs> thank you, Jared. <laughs> You're welcome. The. <laughs> He gets like flayed, basically. Yeah, like, he gets it's his skin it, like ripped like, off. No, it, the jaws it's, ripped it, off, and then all the, the skin going down his entire torso, the front of his torso is just taken with it. It's, and then doesn't it's like a banana being peeled. And then and then doesn't Dorigori gets what a hole punched in him or gets, something? He gets a hole punched through him. He then gets decapitated, and then he's blown up, <laughs> and probably one of the biggest explosions we've seen in the series so far. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Run through that. Um, Marushi also gets split in half from the crotch up, uh, and um, Ace uh, Metron Metron Junior gets cut in half and has like all his like rainbow colored guts fall out of him. No, that that whole conclusion it's some real it, 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 for real. It's some honest. It's like some horrifying like Sam Raimi Evil Dead dismemberment stuff but in like sesame street colors <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, so it, it is madness and it's yeah it's jaw dropping i remember when i was a newer fan and saw it i was like holy shit this show is metal <laughs> someone, yeah, someone, someone had told me i i said that i i was i was um on the old hinch and justice forums i was kind of i had my own thread for my watch of ultraman ace back in the day and someone I, I said oh i'm at episode seven i'm like oh just wait till episode eight i'm like sure okay whatever and i literally started screaming at my my computer monitor when it happened <laughs> i was just like oh my god oh my god you know, like, no it's 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 some sam raimi horror movie stuff yeah, you don't expect it to be that alarming like anytime anytime that i've shown friends who have like nothing who like no knowledge of Tokusatsu outside of like maybe Godzilla, and yeah. like you have to see this scene, and they're like, yeah, sure, whatever, and they have the same reaction I did, <laughs> where they're just like completely fucking horrified, and it's, it's <laughs> I, amazing. I I wish that I'd watched that the first time when I was watching the show because I, I think I don't know I can't imagine how I'd have felt about it like watching the first seven and then seeing that it, it's very. It's unsettling because it just like sort of comes out of nowhere. I think Marucci like bumps into Yeah, Dorigori he bumps into Dorigori and then he, Dorigori, gets... <laughs> and then yeah. he gets thrown under the ground and it's just 
a bloodbath for your own. Yeah, it's one of those things because they want to they want to show that the, the choju are so much more like vicious than the kaiju because Maruchu yeah. is from Return of Ultraman. These ain't I mean, your they, they, these ain't your daddy's monsters. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I mean, and I'm like, because I remember watching it for the first time. Like, there's there's some pretty horrifying stuff in the first seven episodes, even before that scene. You know, um, um, especially some of my favorite episodes in that that period. But like, yeah, it was still just like, oh wow, that, that like just hits you over the head like a hammer. Like it's it, it is you know, next level. <laughs> and like, you know, Ultra's no stranger to like, you know, decapitations and dismemberments, but it's usually kind of like cartoony. Like he's maybe see just, oh, you know, his head fell off. Whoops. And and this, it's like, no, no, no. These things have blood pumping through them. You yeah. Know, they got organs and all that fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, from what I have heard, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, how accurate it is, but apparently that was originally Seagarath. Yes, it was originally oh. going to be secret, but I'm, wow. I'm actually not sure why they changed it. But I'm kind of glad. I I hate for poor Seagrath, you know, to you know finally settle down with you know uh, <laughs> his wife in that one episode. And yeah, you know, yeah, they, they, yeah, they probably started a family. You know, <laughs> they did according to some children's magazines from the time. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's very sweet. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, I think Marushi getting filleted is, I think that was the better choice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that two part, that whole two parter is, is pretty solid, but yeah, Yeah. it's hard to even talk about the rest of that without like you, that, that, that just will dominate any conversation. Yeah. Like like that episode is a pretty good pastiche of Gorath. Um, yeah, but like you know, regardless of like they whatever happens in that episode, it's like you said, it's always going to be about yeah. that one scene. It's what yeah. it's Goran, right? Yeah, yeah. Goran. And, it, and it just happens to look exactly like Gorath. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's actually some Gorath stock footage in that, the yeah. in the. I, uh, I know uh, that. Um, I know that. I guess it must have been a, a previous fan sub. Uh, Cause I, you know, I was looking at like some old, like before this Mill Creek set came out, like old reviews of the show that were in English, and um, a lot of them referred to it as Gorath. So I, I think, I think some of the whatever fan subs or whatever were using Gorath. Hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Matt, Matt, why don't you quick. pick a pick a couple more? Yeah, I had, a, I had a couple other uh, episodes. So one is the towards the end. Uh, there's what's called Return of the Panda, which has one oh, of the most unique. One. It's it's got like this weird buzzsaw, literally alien steel. Buzzsaw. Yeah, alien steel. Uh, awesome. I love alien. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's and fantastic. that's the the panda one is one that I would have picked too. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's let's talk about the panda thief episode. Um, <laughs> Nobody believes that they're stealing pandas. Nobody can figure out why they're doing. <laughs> And, yeah, and like, the alien who's stealing the pandas, like he's not after like world domination or trying to turn pandas into like monsters or anything. He just he just wants to take them back to his home planet because they're popular there, and he still has to be murdered by Ultraman Ace. Like I don't know, could he be just like you know been given a, a light warning or something? Like no, those don't exist until Taro. <laughs> uh, yeah, alien steel is. Uh... Something. Um, he's called have, Alien Steel because he steals 
Thanks. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if anyone here would have guessed that. Um, and uh, yeah, he is um, played by uh, uh, his human form is played by. Um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. You, oh, he's yeah. in. He's in like that, every. He's the interpreter from King Kong vs. Godzilla. Yeah, he's the interpreter in King Kong vs. Godzilla. In um, in he's Ghidra, in he's, a couple he's, of times. Yeah. yeah, in Ghidra, he's the guy that um, goes and gets the hat in the volcano. In mm-hmm. uh, in the H Man, he's um, the guy that gets killed when he's like putting on some discarded clothes on the on the ship. He's in. Um, some Kurosawa stuff, but, uh, I mean, yeah, you, you would recognize him right off the bat. Um, I was actually surprised to see him in this because I, I usually think of him as being a guy that shows up in, um, in, uh, like stuff from the sixties. I, um, yeah, he's in the he's in a couple of episodes of Ace. He dies multiple times. (laughs) Yeah. I think he shows up in zone fight, zone fighter too, but, um, yeah, I, I I I never think of him as someone that's in a lot of seventies stuff. Um I think he died either in the seventies or the eighties. So um so yeah, I was surprised to see a um uh I guess a late career appearance as like the primary alien villain in, in an Ultraman episode. But but yes, uh he is an alien who looks like a a a weird Common rider like character, but he's got a bunch of buzz saws coming out of his head. Um, and yeah, he just comes to Earth to steal pandas. And when I say you, pandas, that could be uh, figures, stuffed toys, uh, real pandas. Um, uh, and and one, I think one of the most bizarre things is that. He he steals a real panda from a zoo, but it's played by a guy in a panda suit, and it's the most very costume scene in any of these shows. Yeah, and for whatever reason, the panda and the humans seem to be able to understand each other. So it's it's so you almost feel like it it's not like a normal panda. It's very strange, um, and it, it's. Also, I, I... I really like Steel's design. Like, like the very bright yellow is really pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 a crazy crazy design. This is like uh, for me, this is like kind of a peak Ace. Um, like I I like when the show just gets bizarre like this, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and unpredictable. Like it 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 goes like full kind of batshit and. That's when Ace, I think, is at its best, um, is when it's just being insane. Yeah. Well, you're going to love this next pick because <laughs> uh, the, the, the the Kappa episode is just crazy. I um, love the Kappa. Oh, that yeah. is a, that's a good pick. That was um, a good pick. There's some great miniature work in that one. Yeah. Well, they, like, there's aliens with no belly buttons, and that's how they figure out their aliens. It's like... <laughs> no, they're... They, Yapple has okay, so Yapple has this house that they're controlling, and the owners of the house are robots, and they're luring kids to go swim in the swimming pool, which is a choju that sucks them under the pool, 
and steals their belly buttons. <laughs> yes. And um, and if you are if if you are for any reason um, suspected of being possessed by by the these aliens, uh, TAC, which is what's that stand for? Terrible monster attacking crew. Uh, it rolls right off the tongue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they will uh, they will like demand that you show your belly button. Uh, and it's and that's a little unsettling as well. <laughs> there's the thing during the battle. There was a was it a kid? Somebody's trapped like in the pool, which is in the Kappa's head, like at the top yeah. of the head or whatever. And so the whole battle, they're like trying not to hurt the kid, but it, it's that part's a lot of fun. But this that episode just has a lot going for it, and it's got a very creepy, unsettling vibe. You have the, the robot things, and it's just. Again, very, it's insane. And I think that's what I liked so much about it is like, there's just not something that you would have thought anybody would think of ever. Yeah, the, the, the yeah, no, the, the Ultra 7 ep- Kappa episode is like a norm, normal, like what you would think like a Kappa Ultraman kind of <laughs> mashup would be. And this is just more insanity. Um, I have Ultraman Gaia's Kappa episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that'll be exciting. Um, uh, just to backtrack, just to give this guy uh, his due, um, Senkichi Omora is the actor that uh, played Alien Steel, and yeah, super active in the you know fifties, sixties in um, Kurosawa films and. He's- the Shiro Honda films, um, and then yeah, the seventies. He just has a small handful of gigs. A lot of stuff like like this. Like he's in a Silver Mask episode, um, and then he was in um, uh, Kagemusha in nineteen eighty, and uh, he was in a Zatoichi film in nineteen eighty nine. And so he passed away in nineteen ninety one. Okay, but yeah, no, I mean. It, you Google that name and like you'll if you're listening to this podcast, you know who this guy is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's in everything, yeah. literally. There's there's no way you wouldn't recognize him. Yeah. All but right. Yeah, I think I think uh, King King Kappa is is my favorite Kappa interpretation in anything, just <laughs> because it's just like this giant monster with a swimming pool instead of just like a little dish, you know. <laughs> No, that that's a good episode. I it didn't quite make my handful that I want to mention for myself, but it that that's one of that is a, a, a solid one. And that I I, <laughs> I realize how many of these episodes I actually really do like, and so this is this is pretty difficult. I have one more that I thought it just I mean, Oh, go ahead. You got an honorable sound. mention? Yeah, what 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 do you got? What was it? Life sucking sound, which is the uh the violin episode. That was yes. another good one. That, that is that's a really good. As uh, our episode. our friend Tom described it as, that is a TV show version of what the main character, the manga guy from Godzilla vs. Gigon, that is a story that guy writes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it! Yeah, no, I buy that. I absolutely buy that. Mm-hmm. Well, like. The moral of the story is you need to uh, obey your parents and do exactly what they tell you and play violin if they ask. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where this this child uh, who is being pressured to take violin lessons 
uh, he suddenly gets really good, and it turns out it's because his violin is what possessed by an alien or something that that turns into a giant monster, and his mom is like you know, thinks that he's actually good at piano, and she, she like, start she starts, like, going crazy, too, towards the end. Like, she's, like, yelling at and threatening uh, the TAC members, like, yeah. no, you're not gonna do anything. My son needs his violin. It's like, lady. Yeah, the, it's, it's, a, it's, the, it's the second, it's at least the second episode of whatever evil thing the Monster of the Week is doing, the mother really would like it to continue. <laughs> Right. There's an episode of Tara like that too, but that's for another time. Yeah. That 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 brings to mind uh another episode that I don't quite have uh in my picks, but the the hot air balloon monster. That's episode. another really good one. That's yeah, probably one no, of the, that... the best Danu Mezu episode, okay. I'd say. It, it, yeah, of of that period, that is by far the one that is that is the bright spot of that period. Um, it's it's freaky, it's weird, it's kind of funny in a way. It's got like kind of a fun social commentary angle on it because you know you have all these ratty kids and parents are lining up to have their souls get sucked out by this horrible hot air balloon monster. Yeah, um, I don't I don't know if Ritalin or was a thing back in the day, <laughs> but like it really feels like a commentary on like the way kids were medicated in the nineties and two thousand. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Before it's time. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, yeah. And the, the hot air balloon, uh, is operated by like <laughs> these, like these, like Cheech and Chong <laughs> type, type, <laughs> type hippie guys. Right? Imagine, yeah. 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 Imagine like just these two stereotypical seventies hippies, but they're super like, I don't know, burnt out, I guess I would say like, <laughs> They're practically zombies, by the way. Yeah, they're very dead inside. Were they in on the whole alien plot? I don't remember. We never know. Um, <laughs> they were, they, were, they were human. They were, they yeah. were, they, like they were saying they were probably hypnotized, but I feel like we don't see them after the monster shows up. They're pro. I mean, it's a kids show, so they can't. They can't say it. They're probably just too blown up, blown out to know what's going on. Yeah, bad. <laughs> Bad Baron gave them some really good weed, and they just decided, well, you know, we'll go along with it. Why not? I mean, uh, that is my head cannon. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, no. The Ultraman Ace decides that kids listening and being docile is just too too horrible of a thing, <laughs> and, and so you he, know what? Good on him. <laughs> <laughs> um, no that that episode is 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 wild too. Um. All right, um, Connor. I'll let you you go ahead and and throw out you know five or so episodes that that you'd like to talk about. All right. Yeah. Well, um, we've talked about a couple that I really liked. So yeah. If far. there's any that we if there's any we talked about, just you know, think of other ones uh, if you want. I'd like to talk about episode three for a little bit. I think okay. that one's really good. Okay. Um, yeah. Matt Matt mentioned that one, but we didn't really get into it. So yeah, let's yeah. get into episode that three. That one has a lot of really cool stuff in it. You have like Bakashim, which by the way is just overall one of my favorite ultra kaiju just this wonderful like horrible like synthetic caterpillar monster yeah angular and you know and it's a huge suit too like i've heard it was so big they had to cut it up into pieces to get it out of the workshop that was a mirase okay i I was about to ask if that was a mirase i know uh the first uh veracron was was his yeah but uh you have this you have this wonderful looking monster and it it opens with this incredibly memorable scene where Bakashim shatters the sky 
um, like it's glass, and it just like hangs there for a little bit, and you just see like all this slime and ooze dripping down him, and like his chest beating. Um, and then we, you know, we get to the the, meat, the real meat of the episode with like investigating this weird little boy, and it turns out the kid is dead, and Vakashimu was like piloting him the whole time just to mm-hmm. get to tax base. And then, uh, of course, we have the the great Mount Fuji fight, which I think, if I'm right, wasn't that the same set from Destroy All Monsters, that backdrop? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you have that, too, which always looks impressive, too. So, like, it's all around, like, you know, it's not the most deep episode, but it's it's really engaging. It's got a lot of great moments and hooks. It's just super memorable. Um, I mean, I, I, feel, I feel like... Like I like the first two episodes fine, but I do feel like that really introduces that introduces the show better than either yeah. of the two episodes because you get you got like the, the, that really iconic glass shattering effect that is like the Yapool effect now, mm-hmm. and it it shows up in a couple other episodes too. But like yeah, so that's the first time you get that, and like you like that's when you get like the really macabre elements coming in. Like there's a lot of really great macabre stuff throughout the show, um, and that's yeah. when like. Does he like kill his grandparents? Too? He kills his grandparents too. Yeah, like yeah, it's he, fucked up. He gets a, lot of, a bunch of makeup <laughs> on his face, and he's like, "Oh, thanks for keeping me safe, guys. I'm gonna murder you now." And then he just fucking murders them. Yeah, Don't we find really that they're also aliens, yeah. though? No, it's it's like kind of vaguely hinted that all of them were dead and Yapul just revived them for this scheme, but we're never given like a concrete answer. Like, like I, I, the way I seem to remember it is like. So him and his parents, so the kid and his parents died in a car accident. Yes. But, like, if everyone's corpses were being used, like, why did he need to kill them? Like, I don't know. But you might be the right. Grandparents. Okay. The grandparents, though. So, like, I'm assuming they're, you know, they were fine until their child, you know, their grandson decided, hey, yeah, I'm going to murder you now. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't rewatch that one when I was prepping for the podcast, but like, I feel like it was like, they didn't know he was dead yet or something. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like that episode, but it's, you know, it, it, that seems to be a big fan favorite. Um, it's, it's fine, but it, 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 aside from like some of the cool imagery, like, you know, nothing, nothing about it really sticks out to me as something that makes it a favorite for, for me, but I seem to be in the minority there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I don't completely disagree with you. Like, it's not my favorite. But, like, again, I do feel like it is, in in some ways, it sets the tone of the show better than either of the episodes. Are yeah. Um, like, like I would say, I'm, I'm a big fan of that episode. But I would say that, like, if I was doing, like, a programming, you know, block where it's like, we're going to do one episode from each Ultraman show, that would probably be my pick for, you know, Ace. Like, you know. Mm. It's got the formula down. It's creepy. It's weird. It's got a cool monster. You know, it's all you can ask for. Yeah. Um, on that subject, I would say episode six with Brocken, like that weird four-legged crocodile that monster. That is a good that. episode, and that's that's a good episode. And that's um, I who's he has some his roar was used later as a Toho monster. Is Titanosaurus? Is it Titanosaurus? Okay, I, yeah. I couldn't remember if it was Titanosaurus or. Biolanti. But yeah, it's, it's interesting that that's where the Titanosaurus roar um, seems to come from. Um, mm-hmm. A quick tangent before we get into the rest of that episode, uh, more of a question that I have for you guys that are more into the, the Ultraman um, background. 
Um, but like we mentioned, Titanosaurus's roar coming from Brocken. We mentioned um, what is pr- it sounds like likely the Mount Fuji um, set from Destroy All Monsters. So like we we still see at this point, Toho and Subaraya seem pretty cool with each other. Yeah, you know, um, and I know yeah. a lot of that was Eiji, just you know, because Eiji being who he was, you know, Toho were always kind of like okay with you know him using props or suits or whatever, um, and we we're seeing that still a few years after his death. Um, I guess my question is, I guess kind of two parts: when does this necessarily stop in the franchise, and secondly, from I'm kind of going off memory here. Like I said, I'm not as well versed in this stuff as I am, you know, Godzilla or whatever. But is isn't there a period where they that relationship is kind of fractured? And Toho are really I don't know if they had or were trying to get a stake in Subaraya, um, but ultimately I, I think they were kind of trying to seize the Ultraman brand. I mean, I, I think Connor can probably answer overall better. From but I, I, what I, I, I can recall, uh, they did have a, a, a pretty big stake in Subaraya from for the seventies, but that kind of ended around the time of Leo, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. But like Ace was definitely, you know, when they had, you know, Antaro for sure was when they had all that, you know, Toho connection still going, and then I think it it ended right after Leo, or it ended like right before Leo. I'd have to. You know, double check on that. But by the time of like Jonius and eighty, that was like kind of a thing of the past. Okay. Well, um, um, uh, I I don't know about like the as far as like the IP connection, but I I feel like I remember hearing that the shows from Return of Ultraman all the way up through like Mabius were were shot at Toho Toho built like the lots, mm-hmm. um, the stu- the like Toho Studios. And then I think now they're shooting at like Mikatsu or something, but like, yeah. like after after the Ultra Galaxy shakeup and and the multiple series of buyouts, like they they lost the connection with Toho Built, uh, and now they're having to shoot somewhere else. Okay. Um, but but yeah, like they were they were still using studio space at, at Toho up until the the mid two thousands. Okay, all right. Well, let's let's get back to Brocken then, um, Connor. You may yeah. resume. Yeah, so Brocken, um, that's a great episode. It's got Akiji Kobayashi uh, in a guest role. He's he's Captain Muramatsu from Ultraman and uh, Tachibana Tobe from the Showa Rider shows. So he's yeah. it's always a treat to see him again. I mm-hmm. love it when he comes back. Um, and you have this really cre- another really creepy monster in Brocken, which is this. The best way to describe it is like imagine like a crocodile with a centaur's body plan. Um, and it's, it's this giant thing and it possesses uh, Kobayashi and no one's the wiser. And, you know, the apple's like, yeah, possess this, this astronaut friend of tax and infiltrate the base and kill him and everything. Yada, yada, you know, typical stuff. But there's this, you know, great kind of, you know, subplot going on where the kid, his son knows that, my dad's possessed by this horrible space monster, but nobody believes me. And which brings me to, in my opinion, which a scene that should be considered one of Ace's standout scenes is when, you know, the kid sneaks up on his sleeping dad and he pulls away his hand and the hand has this eye and mouth on it. 
And it's um, really upsetting. It's super <laughs> creepy. And you could tell that Anno took that for Evangelion right there. Yeah, you definitely have to wonder if uh, that was something that he he carried into Evangelion with, with Gendo and what Adam's embryo in his hand. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, Brocken, was never one of my, like, big, big favorites, but that is a, that is a really good one. I, I will, I, it, it occurs to me as we're going through our favorite episodes is, I feel like we all agree that Ace is not necessarily the best show. No. But <laughs> none of us, I don't think we're, I don't think any of us are going to be able to agree on which the best episodes are. Like, which yeah, except, I, I, and, yeah. And, ex, except for, we all agree that Danumezu is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it, it, that is an interesting, that, that is an interesting point in just our taste in this episode, our, 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 pretty diverse which which for podcast purposes is is great like uh, for brocken <laughs> specifically like i remember you know i i was i loved return a lot and you know i was really riding high off of, of that going into ace um and i remember you know watching the first few episodes of ace and just being like yeah i mean it's fine but whatever and then um and then episode five happens which Jared, we're gonna talk. I'm assuming we're gonna talk about this episode more in depth when when we get to you. Um, and I'm like, okay, yeah. that was that was really fun. And then, but it's episode six, Brocken, that I walked away with feeling like, okay, this is this is like what I'm here for. Like you had a wild monster design and like just a lot of really bizarro, weird, borderline creepy imagery. Um, and that's when I that's when I really get into the Ultraman is when it's weird, and that is definitely the Brocken episode. Absolutely. So yeah, it's Vaction Brocken, another really good one in my opinion. And this is I'm going to cheat. I'm going to call this one a two parter. Um, the episode with Giant Yapool and its immediate follow up with Mazaron Man I think are really creepy. Oh. Um, yeah. Especially the latter part, because you have in the Mazaron Man episode, you have this, you know, this piece of Yapul that this kid finds, and from Yapul's hatred, we get another villain, this kind of sorta Yapulish guy named Mazaron Man. Um, he's pretty cool, but he doesn't stick around, unfortunately. Um, who then uses this chunk of Yapul's dead body to possess the kid's pregnant mom? So then the mom becomes like this horrible hag and the energy from, or like the life force from her, you know, from the child in her becomes like this choju that she treats as her kid. And it, you know, it just kind of runs around, you know, doing stuff. And like, it's just, it's just a really weird episode. It's, it feels like I, I very rarely use this for, uh, this word to describe an Ultraman episode, but it feels very unwholesome. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it, it feels very kind of perverse and wrong. And like, you know, you have this scene in the opening with like all this red rain and it kind of feels like symbolic of like menstruation or something like it just mm. it, it just it just feels very like like something you shouldn't be watching, really. Um, and Ultraman rarely does that. So that one always stuck out to me. I have vague memories of that one. I'm going to have to revisit it, though, after hearing that, that. That's one That's one that I absolutely revisited when I was prepping for this podcast, because that's one that's always really stuck with me. 
Because, yeah, it is really upsetting. Okay. Um, I am putting that on a list to revisit because I think that episode especially came at a point where I was kind of shotgunning a lot of these. And and Mm. when you do that, like... You can, it is impossible to remember them all. So <laughs> I, no, I'm, together at that I'm point, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to rewatch this probably this week. Good. Yeah, because I, I, I really like. I enjoyed the the previous episode with Giant Yapool. Like, I thought the build up to it, like the build up was good. Yeah, it's got a I, nice apocalyptic feel, but like that that second kind of part to it. The, yeah, well, the second part I felt like made up. I felt like the the battle between Ace and Yapu was a little anticlimactic, and then yeah, but like the Mazaran man was just like really like yeah, like I said, really upsetting. And then like the final battle between Mazaran and Ace was this like like lava field, you know, like on the on the slope of a volcano or something. It was like really like red and purple and just really gorgeous Tokusatsu. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my favorite, uh, some of my favorite effects work in the series, honestly, in, in that. So yeah, no, like I, that's a, that's a good pick. Um, there's, there's a couple more I, I really like, um, this is, this is kind of a more out of left field pick, but I'm going to pick it just because we need to talk about this monster. <laughs> The the episode with the monster Dream Gillis. <laughs> ah, there we go. Uh, yes, the piss monster. Oh, the the monster that haunts this kid's dream, that <laughs> scares the crap out. Well, scares the piss out of him literally. So he pisses the bed in the shape of this monster, <laughs> and then eventually the piss stain emerges into the real world as Dream Gillis. <laughs> see, this is what I. Again, if I'm doing like in my top five, I don't know that this would be in my five, but this is definitely like what I think of like when I was talking about the panda episode. Like, this is what I consider like I would describe this in terms of weirdness and uh, of and plot like peak Ace. Like, this is what I when I watch Ultraman Ace, this is what I want more Mm -hmm. of. Is this is. I I don't know who I don't know this this uh, it describe it defies like explanation. It's you you can't like it. It almost <laughs> sounds like I'm I'm shitting you right now, but no. There's an episode of this <laughs> where there's a piss monster. Like there's there's no there's no way around it. This isn't just like you know some gag or anything. There's a piss monster episode, and I'm I'm shocked that you know. <laughs> The people who are watching who have been watching Ace since the you know since what last year with that set, um, haven't like gotten into this huge uproar about this piss monster because it's like, <laughs> it's shocking. I remember when I was getting into Ultraman Ace way back in the day, and I had learned from like you know the really old fan sites from around that time like oh there's an episode of Ace with a piss monster I'm like there's no <laughs> yeah. way there's a piss monster. There is no fucking way there's a piss monster. There's a piss monster. And, you know, it's it's not as the monster itself, you know, powers aside, isn't as upsetting as uh, I'd say, you know, Mazaron Man or Mazarius, but like it's it's this he like does have weird, a penis on his chest though. He does have this really <laughs> he does have this like penis coming out of his neck. Like this Wait, drool, what? like how why how monster. have I ever never noticed this? 
Yeah. There's a picture. There's a picture of Ultraman Ace grabbing it, and I just. <laughs> I'm, I'm googling it right now. I'm gonna put it in the chat. But yeah. you know what makes him even more messed up is he shoots this red oh liquid out does. of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, he vomits blood. Like. Yeah, he vo- he 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 shoots blood out of his mouth. He has a weird penis like appendage that's never <laughs> explained. And then his face. It's like a skinned dragonfish or something. Yeah. I, I would put him up there with, like, Dink as, like, just weird, just really upsetting monster designs. Oh, oh my God. I can't wait to talk about Gaia and Deans. Um, but that's for Deans. Yeah. Put that picture in the chat so you guys can see. No, yeah, no, Ace this mon- I, I, no, this monster <laughs> is upsetting. That That's the best word for it. It's It's upsetting. And I love it. It's really upsetting. But, I, you know, I, I will, building building off of that and building off of your point, Bird, about, like, Ultraman Ace, like, when it's just completely batshit, what I've personally always really loved about Ace as a series is that it does these really bizarre batshit, like, plot twists and, like, concepts. And unlike other shows, like, Taro is really goofy. It feels really, really winky. You know what I mean? Like, oh, ha, 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 you know? It, it gets to the feeling where it's in on it. We're having, we're having, it's a gag. It's yeah. a gag. Yeah. We're doing it, for, like, they're, they're really playing the comedy of it. Yeah, they're in Ace, on the joke, right. Yeah, Ace does, like, does all this, like, really crazy shit, like, killer robot dogs and, and piss monsters <laughs> and, you know, all sorts of stuff, and it just does it with a completely straight face. <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah, that happened. This is happening now. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a upsetting monster. <laughs> uh, did you have another one you wanted to, to highlight? Connor? Yeah, um, I'd say another one I want to highlight because I because I could easily talk about the two partners because the two the two partners are fantastic but like everyone we'll probably get to those in a minute yeah right we now. will we'll get into the two partners so I want to <laughs> I want to highlight some of the weirder moments from Ace and speaking of because we were on that tangent Jared mm-hmm. I'd say I, I forgot what episode it was but it's the episode with the monster Unitang oh I love yes. that one that was one of the ones I had to rewatch yes so that those, one is something. So for those who haven't seen this episode, which, by the way, you should definitely watch it after this podcast, um, yeah. Hokuto falls in with this this gang of, like, women bikers. Not, like, motorcyclists, but, like, just, just regular cyclists. Like, it's, it's a yeah, cycling club. It's a ladies' college cycling club. And this group of ten women are actually a choju, and they combine into the choju by forming a human pyramid on their bicycles as they're riding around and it's it's achieved with like this this group of miniatures um which are which are basically like barbie dolls on little bikes that they use strings to kind of you know um make them stack onto each other it's and pretty it's, spectacular it's it's i was howling with disbelief the first time i saw it <laughs> <laughs> that's another one that uh i think is at least in uh, in like tokusatsu online stuff is is kind of turned into a meme. Uh yeah, that episode's crazy too. Um yeah, Hoka he gets like uh, a device implanted that basically makes him into into a 
even more of an idiot than he usually is. <laughs> um, uh, and and can let's I I, want, let, I do want to talk about Unitang uh, because speaking of unsettling uh, monster designs, um, it's very apparent that this creature has one, two, three, f- eight uh, breasts. She's she's too hot for TV. <laughs> I think I think there's more on the other side. Like I think I think yeah, I think there's several pairs. So so this is a movie made out of women that uh is turns into a boob monster. Yeah. And <laughs> and it's uh it's Yeah, there's five more on the back. Oh my it's, God. it's pretty insane. I would imagine the concept art for this creature is even probably even more upsetting. Oh gosh, I have to look now. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it, but I I'm just like thinking of like you know the concept art for these monsters is usually like a little more gnarly, especially when you look at um the the concept art for Hetera is really upsetting. Right? Too. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. everyone knows about the eyes, but the concept art has several pairs of of actual like breasts hanging. Yeah. Like wait, why? <laughs> well, yeah, and and we know that Hetera's vagina eyes made it into the into the final design. But yeah, I I would love to see if the concept art for this is as disturbing. <laughs> That's this monster. <laughs> well, unfortunately, the book that I have does not have concept. Yeah, thing. like it, somehow, like after you get past like seven, concept art for a lot of these characters gets a lot harder to find, um, which is really unfortunate because I would have loved to have seen what some of these guys looked like initially. Yeah, like some of the some of the stuff that's available is great, so it's really unfortunate what was lost or what just hasn't been released. It seems like. Um... I, I could be wrong. I don't know who designed this one, but it's probably not Iguchi. I feel like it was uh, Yoshio Suzuki. Okay, I feel designed, like Iguchi's um, designs are decently well preserved. Like there's books and stuff yeah. dedicated to his his design, his monster design work. He just had one come out a couple weeks ago. Actually, I picked it up. Yeah, some of some of the when I'm I'm flipping through, I have uh, a book that's it's the Ultraman monster designs from 1971 to 1980, and um, a lot of the stuff from Ultraman Ace is like it's not even scans; it's pictures because the papers and tatters, um, and like you can see like there's a couple where it's been like ripped directly out of a notebook mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that because it's just it looks like these were like really done on the fly, mm-hmm. which kind of explains like you know towards the end of the show, how you go from something like Bakshim to, God, I don't know, Soundgiller? <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, shit, we need a monster this week. Let's let's have this giant thumb with a radar dish on the front. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got piss monsters. We got boob monsters. We got violin monsters. We got, we like, we're, we're getting really into into crazy here. Um, all right. Uh, Connor, do you have anything else? Um, I'm going to go with a more pedestrian pick this time. I'm going to go with the, the episode with planet Golgotha. Um, there's a lot of crossovers with the ultra brothers, in this show practically like every other episode, especially in the early part, but of the crossovers, this is one of my favorites um, because you have, you know, you have another evil planet, 
kind of like Goran, it's not crashing into anything. And the Ultra Brothers are lured there by Yapul, and they all become crucified, and their powers are stolen for this robot, Ace Killer. And then meanwhile, Ace has to contend with this with this monster called Barabbas, which, imagine, like, Gigan, but more metal. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because he's got, he's got a hook for one hand, he's got a mace for another hand, and he's got a sword on top of his head that he can fire off and, you know, have it return to him like a boomerang. And, uh, you know, and, like, it's it's not the most deep two-parter. It's, it's kind of your typical comic book uh, sort of, oh, our heroes are in trouble. How are they going to get out of this week? Yeah, but it's got a lot of cool moments, like when Barabbas, you know, first emerges on Earth. There's a really cool fight scene in part one where uh, Ace fights Barabbas during this rainstorm, which is really fun. Um, it's also know, really funny because it's bright and sunny in the other in the uh, uh, tax scenes. Yeah, um, and then you have, you know, in part two, you have like, of course, the the battlefield where Ace Killer is fighting Ace, and you have the, the brothers in the background crucified, which is great image, by the way. Um, I can see why they keep you know going back to that in like, other crossovers. And there's also two moments in the climax of part two that I really like, which is one, um, the explosion of planet Golgotha, which is a really simple effect. Like It's, it's kind of deceptively simple, but I really like how it's accomplished, um, where they have basically this... You know, they have this black backdrop and they have this glowing, like, light at the center. And instead of, like, blowing up a model or anything like that or just cutting to a stock explosion, they have this flash of light. And then they have, like, a whole bunch of bubbles, like, we're underwater, like, coming at us. And it's it's always just stuck with me as a really creative way to, you know, convey an explosion. That's that's actually, it's the same, um, the same shot that's used at the very beginning of every episode. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember watching that, and I remember watching that on this last, like, whenever the Mill Creek set came out, and I'm like, that's the same shot that they composite into the very opening of every episode. Oh, shit, I never noticed that. Yeah. Um, same element. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, at the uh, at the end of that episode, you have Barabbas' death, which isn't as, I'd say, you know, cathartic as Doragori's, but... Um, it's definitely one of the more gruesome deaths that Ace gives a monster in the show. Ace first hits his, he, he grabs his sword, impales him with it, and then hits his head to make his eyeballs pop out. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> punches off his hook hand and then decapitates him with it. And... You know, after his eyeballs, you know, get popped out, you know, Barabbas is hopping around, freaking out. Um, it's it's not too gory. It's really cartoony. But it, it kind of is like a live action, like itchy and scratchy moment <laughs> going on there. So that's always stuck out with me. It's, you know, it's it's definitely, you know, look at, you know, look at all this stuff we're trying to cram into an hour to, you know, get your attention. But it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's fun. It's like jump. It's like the, you know, if like. The uh, Metron episode of Seven is like a really well done, you know, fancy d dinner. The uh, the two parter in Ace with Golgotha is like, you know, a burger from like a really dingy, greasy spoon kind of establishment. Like it's <laughs> kind of crap, but like love at it. the same time, you yeah. love it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, of of the big two parters in Ace, that's definitely my my favorite because it has a lot a lot more interesting miniature work going on. I feel like. 
Um, and and Golgotha <clears throat> is a much more interesting setting for the big Ultra Brothers uh, uh, neutralizing than the the brown wasteland from the uh, Hippolito. Yeah, episode. like like I would maybe say the Hippolito episode's like a bit stronger and has a lot more like cohesiveness going on, but. Like, but, but this one has like a lot more like iconic imagery to it. I'm very much a style over substance kind of person, I guess. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I noticed. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I love Barabbas is actually one of my favorite monsters from the from from this the show. I I absolutely love it. It's kind of like a, a proto tyrant, the which yeah. is a monster that comes later on. Yeah, yeah I get them confused like actually. Like the tyrant. <laughs> yeah, those are those are two of my favorites. And then uh obviously you have Golgotha, which is like another Christian reference and Barabbas being the prisoner from uh the New Testament that kind of like again, just seeing some of the Christian influence come through, but like Barabbas yeah. being the prisoner that gets released in Jesus' place before crucifixion on the Golgotha Hill. So I thought that was kinda interesting. For me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that is really interesting. That was our uh our th- our theology lesson <laughs> with Matt. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> exactly right. I I mean honestly, I honestly I appreciate it because I always forget who Barabbas was. <laughs> well, as someone who is was raised non religious and has no context for any of the <laughs> biblical stories, you know, I, I do like that, you know, that added piece of context there absolutely um and and it, it's always fun when matt actually you know is able to conjure that and bring it into yeah. the podcast because it's something that is completely foreign to me because i'm a heathen <laughs> um you're a heathen <laughs> I, I didn't I, I i grew up i was raised that way but i didn't pay close enough attention so i'm like i think it's this <laughs> but i could be wrong <laughs> um uh anyway um all right so i guess uh i guess i guess we'll do jared next um so you know just uh throw out uh, five or, or or so uh or a couple more if you feel like it um highlight episodes to kind of kind of discuss i, I got i got to say like going back to that point like it's really surprising to me how we all agree that like half of ace is good and the other half is so so but we just like, can't agree which half is which yeah <laughs> yeah like no one's, no one's picked any of the episodes like i'm like i thought for sure I, me going so late i would not be able to get to talk about some of these <laughs> yeah go for it man um, yeah so uh yeah so going in chronological order uh you know episode 4 with Garan, uh, the 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 manga episode with Ikawa at the center of it. Um, yeah, that's the, Django, the incel, incel one that yeah. we mentioned guess, earlier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, so my history with Ace, um, Ace was the first Showa Ultra thing that I watched all the way through because I first started getting into this in high school right after Final Wars. So I wanted, I was like, like, okay, I'm super into monsters again, but now Godzilla's over, what do? Um, and so like, Ultraman Nexus was out, and I got into that, and I was on like some of the old Ultraman boards run out of Singapore. Uh, I feel like that's a lot of people. Like, I, I yeah. feel like I didn't, I feel like, because like right now you still get it with, um, I feel like Super Sentai and Kamen Rider and 
a lot of that stuff, I feel like the fandom is still very separate, separated from yeah. the kaiju yes. fandom. Yes. And, yes, and I, I feel Fair. like when I was younger, like in the 90s and earlier 2000s, Ultraman was very much part of that. But I feel like in that 10 years between Final Wars and 2014, that's when a lot of the you know Godzilla and Gamera fans started discovering Ultraman because there was I, that. I feel like there was drought. some migration, but like I always felt like getting into Ultraman back in that day, it was always really frustrating because I wanted more Godzilla people to come over. Like, this is so cool, but they were very much like, oh, it's like Power Rangers, you know. And then all the, all the like Power Rangers Common Rider folks were like, no, we don't like kaiju. Yeah, so it, was, <laughs> it was always too superhero for the kaiju people and too kaiju for the superhero people. It's it's right. the, this weird Venn diagram of like, oh, this is this should appeal to all of all of you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. where they should intersect more, you know. And and then and then on top of that, you know, I'm getting into this in 2004, 2005, 2006. So it's like right at like the worst point of the Chayo lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So like like the mill the whole Mill Creek deal to me is still, I still can't quite comprehend it, even though I now own like ten sets from Mill Creek. I um, I'm still because, shocked we're getting Leo in a couple days. Like yeah, yeah like, I never like, anticipated uh, me being the pessimist that i am i when they announced that i was like oh we'll get like ultra q ultraman ultra seven and then they're not gonna sell well and it's over i mean yeah (laughs) i'm i'm with you there too but like 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 when i was getting into this into that like 2004 2005 like all everyone was like yeah no it's messed up like and i was just i was under the impression i was going to be pirating this shit as long as i was into it Mm-hmm. Um, and that there was just no way we would ever get proper releases of this stuff. Um, but like it was too niche. Like it, there was this huge legal battle. It was awful. So I wound up like when like I I wound up like watching Ultraman Nexus, Ultraman Max. But I was really curious about the Showa stuff. And when I tried to watch, so originally none of it was subtitled. And so like I you know but I still really wanted to see some of this. The original Ultraman you know, and Ultra Q, like, they're still trying to find their footing, and it just does, mm, I don't know, I just couldn't get into it. Ultra 7 is, like, at that, like, with no subtitles, it's basically impenetrable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and only a very, like, I, like I, I, you know, started college and had just a very basic, very limited understanding of Japanese, you know, in college. Um, and, and, you know, similar, similar with Return of Ultraman, and then when I found Ace, Ace is just so nutty <laughs> and just so out there. I watched the entire series without subtitles. And while there are some episodes that definitely improved, finally getting to see it with the subtitles, a lot of it basically felt the same. <laughs> like there was there was a little more context. Like, like, oh, okay, so type O blood, got it. I didn't get that the first time, but I got it now. But like, you know, a lot of a lot of like because it's 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 so action focused. It's so focused on just throwing really weird shit at you and really weird shots and monsters. Um, that even when I didn't completely understand what was going on with the plot, it would usually, I'd figured out well enough. Uh, whereas the other shows were a lot harder to watch. And, and on top of that, um, I feel like Ace is like, you know, coming, coming from watching like Nexus Max Mabius, Ace felt a little more natural than going all the way back to Q, Man, and Seven, where they're still trying to figure out the whole thing. 
you know, but I feel like in the seventies is where Ultraman as we know it now was more, more concretely established. Um, but yeah, so definitely one of my first picks is definitely episode four, the, the manga monster. Um, just cause I just, I like, that was, you know, again, episode three, I felt like set a better tone for what the show was going for than the first two episodes. Um, but episode four, like really, cause you have this, this manga artist who has been given like the power of the devil via you pool, you know, and so he can control this prehistoric monster that he's brought forth from his own mind by like rapidly drawing comic pages at an incredibly unrealistic speed. Um, you know, and, and as you know, I, I think that was before I was more into filmmaking and I was still trying to be a comic artist myself. So that was a big deal to me. It was like, Oh, that's so fun. You know, uh, and then because, like, the ending of that episode, the whole episode is messed up because uh, the guy kidnaps Mikawa and is, you know, he's basically doing the the jilted nerd from high school shtick where it's like, oh, yeah, you laughed at me. I will have the last laugh now. You will love me, you know. Um, and, like, there's, like, a skeleton in his attic of, like, another woman he's done this to before and that's really fucked up. I do really like that Mikawa does a lot of her own uh, uh, Yoshino. Is it Yoshino? <laughs> you know, Yoshino comes to help out, but like she does a lot of her rescuing on her own. That was nice. She wasn't completely a damsel in this in the situation. And then yeah, like there's a lot of really fun special effects. Um, like uh, uh, Gar- Garan is um, attacking the city at one point, and then suddenly. Uh, he's fighting with the TAC fighters and then suddenly he gets erased out of existence and you cut away to the artist erasing the sketch off the page. Um, and that, so there's a lot of really great stuff. And then, and then the final battle, uh, just, you know, with, with the guy, like this is just so much uh, in, in the seventies. I love, I love the seventies tokusatsu because they're, they're so, they get really like experimental and avant-garde and you have these really great sequences. Um, like the, our comic artist, uh, like furiously drawing away. And every time he finishes a page, he throws it up in the air. And this is all done in slow motion. So like as, as Ace is battling the monster, it's intercutting with this guy in his studio drawing and he's just surrounded by like papers flying all around him. Uh, and it's just really wild, and then and then it gets it continues to get fucked up because when Ace starts, you know, cutting body parts off of the creature and setting him on fire, that all now starts to reflect on the artist, and he's like, you know, screaming in pain. He like he literally lights on fire at one point, and then his health. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, uh, you know, like as far as starting a show. I feel I feel like episode three really sets the tone. I feel like episode four really slaps you in the face for what the show is going to do in some of its best moments. Um, with just some of the really just like, I'm sorry, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that 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 is one that's always been near and dear to me. Um, and then after that, my favorite episode of the show is immediately after episode five um, with Adibunta. And I really think That's that a good is, one. yeah, I really think that is the platonic ideal of what is. Um, 
unique. Um, because you have this like weird plan uh, by Yapool that involves like collaboration with another alien and then a monster that specifically seeks out women with type O blood, um, which is oddly specific in, in, in that great like 70s tokusatsu kind of way. Um, and then you have some great teamwork between Hokuto and Minami. Like we haven't forgotten that Minami exists. Um, you know, so like she, she has typo blood, so they, they find, they find a way to, to make that useful. Um, you have just some really incredible cinematography. Like again, like just, I, I, I love how experimental they would get in the seventies with some of like these weird, like fisheye lenses. Um, and like just some really fun lighting, like when, uh, like tack, tack gets trapped underground and you have all this like green lighting from like the instrument panels and like, Oh no, we're going to die. And you have some really fucked up stuff too. Like, Adi yeah. uh, like you, you had the precursor to the Gamera two scene in the subway, um, where a subway train, uh, winds up going, uh, Adi Bunta has created this cavern underground and, a, and, and it intersects the subway line and a subway train like, goes, basically goes crashing out into this cavern and Adi Bunta attacks it and and when it does, it like sprays them all with this like jet of steam that like melts their flesh off. And you have these like really upsetting scenes of like um like <laughs> it's like soap suds like sucking back back into the skull of these people who like have been it's, murdered. It's nightmarish. Oh yeah. It's well, I was I was gonna say like I, I was watching this with, with Landon. Oh and no. he was like, dude, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that was like, oh. him. He, he looked at me like, uh, is this okay? And and again, I, I love this episode too, Jerry, but I just reminded me of like me traumatizing my, my child with the uh the soap oh, sud no. skeleton things or whatever those were. Oh, no, yeah, because I watched that as a young adult originally and that traumatized me. So <laughs> Oh no! Anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, no, like I mean, that's that's like that's an episode that I go back to a lot when I'm like when I need inspiration for my own work. Honestly, like just some of the way they ed- like the ways they like edit shots together. There's a really great shot. Like again, like talking about it being um, a, like platonic ideal of Ultraman Ace. Like you have a team up. Like Zoffy comes to save Ultraman Ace and they team up to fight the monster and alien together. There's a really great shot where Zoffy has this like contraption of like extra energy for Ace and he like throws his fist towards the camera and right as it comes next to the lens, we cut away to Ace having received it. It's now on his wrist. Um, and it's all in like fisheye perspective and it's just it uh I don't know, it just it lights my brain on fire and I love it. Um and and all the lighting underground is really beautiful. I like they brought Adi Bunta back in Ultra Fight Victory, and they did kind of they tried to recreate this in like a digital backdrop, and it just does not look no. as like hypnotic as the way they do caves in Ultraman Ace. Um, it's it's incredible. Like I can't I can't say enough good things about Episode Five, and I. It's also the first yeah. tag team Ultraman match in the series too. Well, yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, yeah it's not no, just a sport thing. That like they actually team up to fight the the monsters together. Um, 
Um, I believe Aribunta and Giron Man were Marase suits. Oh, yeah. were? I think they were. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure the Marase uh, book that I have has photos of of those. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, and Giron so. Man looks like he should be in like a '70s prog rock band or something. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the um, crazy space costume and the long hair. And like the, the weird like checkerboard pattern on his skin. <laughs> I, yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. I wish I wish they brought Giron Man back in something like Mebius. Um Oh my god. I remember there was a magazine scan where we thought that Steel was gonna come back for Mebius. Oh I would have loved uh, that. More but it was steel just, it was, would be just one, joy. It was just one of those things, like, because, like, now, now most of us understand that. Oh no! Like, sometimes they just use archival pictures to show off new powers before mm-hmm. they revealed the episode. But at the time, like, the episode scans came out. I'm like, wait, what? Who is this? You know. <laughs> um, and that—that's where I first encountered Steel was in that scan, and I'm like, that's amazing. I love that design. Um, let's see here. We've talked about uh, Unitang. And I'm gonna leave Kaura for a bird. Oh yeah. We'll... Oh my god. I have I have some comments about Kaura that I want. Oh, to we're gonna about. talk yeah. about. Oh yeah, we're we're getting to Kaura. Yeah. <laughs> Kaura, Kaura is the best. Well, what I about uh, Jared? We've been talking back and forth about the Lunatics episode. Is that on your list? Uh, it. Yeah, I was about to get to that one. All yes. right. <laughs> because you 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 kept talking about it, and I was like, yeah, I don't remember this being that good. And then I rewatched it, and I was like, that was pretty darn good. It's just that that came at the point where I was kind of like just plowing th- i plowed through like 10 or so episodes and then yeah. i and then after that i took agonizingly long to finish the series <laughs> but that came at one of the, when i was just like one after another and it, it just kind of like got lost in the shuffle somewhere yeah so i remember when i first watched ace and i had no subtitles i remember being a little bored by the lunatics and a little upset too because like i knew it was coming i knew they were gonna write yuko off and i'm like oh that sucks Sexism sucks. I think you know? I think some of that um, was kind of my attitude when I first went into that episode as well. Is like yeah. I, was, I was, you know, I I I I, I kind of went into it with a sour. Attitude. Like you know, you know what's about to happen, and it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, that definitely I, colored my first uh, reaction to it. You know what? And and in that regard, I, I have to forgive you. I, I'll, I take back some of my railing against you <laughs> because that was my first impression of it as well when I watched it way back when. When I saw it on the Mill Creek set, and I finally saw it with subtitles, and I knew it was coming and I'd seen it before. I was actually really surprised by it. Like, it really feels like, because, like, Lunatics is, is dead halfway through the episode. And so much of the episode is just bidding Yuko farewell, and it really feels like it really feels like the 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 people doing the show really didn't want to let her go, um, and they were like, "Okay, yeah, we'll we'll write her off, but you're getting an entire episode about her." <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's one of those things where if they're it's shitty and they they're gonna have to do it do this to this character, like if you're gonna do it, this is the way to do it. Yeah, and I mean, it starts out like with this really lovely use of um, Claude Debussy's Claire de Lune, which is a beautiful track mm-hmm. anyway. Um, and it's just this really atmospheric, really lovely, and they kind of build the tension like like Yuko knows something's up before anyone else does, and they're like, oh no, what's going on? What's going on? You know? 
Um, and there's just a really, there's a lot of really great miniature work um, with, with like lunatics is attacking an onsen town. And so it's like, you know, you're in like a rural area, but you still have this like nice little cluster of buildings that's really beautifully laid out. Uh, and then they fight underground in this like magma chamber. I think the fight, like once they, once Ace and Lunatics reaches the surface, the fight can drag a little bit, but it's still like it has like it has the moon in the background and like everything is very moon focused because you know Minami turns out to be Princess of the Moon. Um, but like, yeah, I just I just find the whole thing really like a really lovely send off. And like as much as I hate that it had to happen, like the reasons behind it suck. And Minami is like my favorite character, so that sucks that she has to go. Like it's a really beautiful send off. Um, and Lunatics is a really fun monster, and it's just like the, it's some of. I, I feel like I feel like the second half of the series has stronger overall like miniature sets than the first half. Um, and I feel like that's one of them where like it, it's getting like really evocative in its miniature setups. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel like some of the some of the not all, like there's a lot there's still a lot of good miniature work in the in the early part of the series, but I do feel like the end of Return of Ultraman and what I've seen of Mirror Man and the beginning of Ultraman Ace that whole like 1972 period. I don't know if they bit off more than they could chew or what, but it all kind of feels less than their best, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and and it like like and it's all like. I mean, you you always have the odd episode that doesn't hit as well as other episodes. Like some episodes just don't aren't given the time to, to po- aren't given the polish as other episodes. But it, to me, it does feel like something's going on in 1972. I don't I don't know what, but like it does feel like again the end of Return of Ultraman and Ultraman Ace all are are all the same year. And it feels like that batch of episodes of those theories all kind of have a similar like quality to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't not they don't wow quite as much as, as some other episodes. Um, but yeah, no, I just I I and I mean I mean Bird, you said too, like you you wound up rewatching the Lunatics episode, and you also like, oh no, that, that actually is really good. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I don't know if I quite. I mean, they. I I feel like they try their best to explain why she has to like leave and never come back, but I don't yeah. know if it quite that quite holds. But um, but there is a, a kind of a poetic quality to it. I think. Yeah. Um, I think the whole kind of nighttime uh, vibe that they have, and and lunatics being just an insane monster. Uh, this, oh, he's this wonderful. Kind of rabbit thing that mm-hmm. can shoot its eyeballs out is like missiles or something um and w- I, I feel like there's some kind of connection between rabbits and the moon yeah because yeah, in, in, in japan they have a, instead of the man on the moon it's a rabbit on the moon yeah just, and, and and there's it, a joke a, about that in um happiness of the katakuris the the takashi Miike movie which is why i always kind of make that association now so, well, so and it's not just it's not just a rabbit it's a rabbit pounding mochi on the moon which is also how we get into ultraman taro which <laughs> another time though but um of course but which yeah. by the way i wanted and when they brought when they went to the moon in mebius with and they fought lunatics mochi ron should have showed up in that i i agree I that would have been amazing i i perfect would have been so good back around the time i always said like if i if i could have someone's ear 
Like, I would love an, an episode with Mochiron on the moon, and please bring me Nami back again. <laughs> you know? Um, and, like, and like even, even, like, delve into the moon civilization, please. <laughs> I have... I've got... I've got my own little headcanon about that, but we'll have to wait till we get to Leo for that. <laughs> okay, I definitely want to hear it then. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I, I think that's an incredibly beautiful episode um, for what for what it is. You know, like I think you know that it had to exist. And and like I said before, like Minami, you know, being being a moon alien, and the episodes where she would turn up later on, like it became one of my favorite little bits of ultra lore. Even though like the origin really sucks yeah it just exists for a shitty reason yeah you know but like yeah again um so going from that uh i just hopefully i'm not stepping on your toes toes at all bird but i do want to lump a couple episodes together go for it i love the winter episode of this show okay um from uh, not not all of them necessarily but uh so from episode 38 uh, episode 38, episode 41, 42, and 43. Um, I really enjoy all of those so much. Uh, 38 is, of course, the Christmas episode um, where it's it's the, the Choju Snow Gidon, which, you know, makes ice storms and stuff, and there's really gorgeous tokusatsu work, and it's the, the main villain is... I, I don't know if it's an alien or if it's literally like a yokai of some sort who's like really upset. Like how dare, how dare you worship such characters as like fictional Western characters as Santa Claus when we have so many wonderful Japanese deities of winter already. <laughs> you know? It could be just um, a guy in a costume too. That's kind yeah, of what I, I mean. I mean, they're all guys in costumes, but you get what I'm saying. It's a specific. Um, it's a specific character, though, because I always thought, like, oh, they were cheaping out. Uh, it's yeah, it's Namahage, and I don't really know any. I don't know anything about Namahage. If I thought about it, I would have looked in some of my books I have to to prep for this, <laughs> knowing that I was definitely going to talk about this. But like, yeah, it's it's an actual like it is definitely a, a, a mythical spirit. It's, you know, it's kind of related from again. Don't quote me a hundred percent on this. Um, but it's sort of related to what I recall being some sort of like end of the year winter holiday where they have guys dress up as these namahages and they go door to door and just, you know, go, oh, you kids better be good this year. We're going to we're going to fucking eat you next year. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. So, so it's kind of like Krampusy almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's basically namahage versus Santa and Santa is uh, the is the revived ultra father. Uh, father of Ultra, who is his human form. Actually, this was really fun because, you know, I'd seen this again years ago when I was first starting college. Um, but shortly before I watched Ultraman Ace uh, from the Mill Creek set this past year, um, I had watched all of Red Baron, which is now one of my favorite tokusatsu shows of all time. That's, that's a show that we, I think you should do a podcast on, Bird. Yeah, I want to get there, and uh, there's a there's a bunch of shows that I kind of want to get to, but it's like Mill Creek is like drowning us in this 
<laughs> Ultraman stuff. We have like <laughs> three three different sets like for Ultraman coming out. I know, next, like, yeah, and it's, it's like I want to get to Taro, I want to get to X, I want to get to uh, uh, you know, we'll have to do Leo, like. But yeah, I mean, I would definitely be all for kind of like taking a break from Ultraman and and doing like Iron King or Red Baron or. But when Beer you do Man. Red Baron, I want to be involved because <laughs> I that was a. You're a big Iron King like, uh, like, guy I, too, right? I need to rewatch it, but yes, like I, back, back in the day, back in the day when BCI released the Iron King and Red Baron sets, I bought both. I watched Iron King and loved it, and I could and. For years, I would keep trying to watch Red Baron, and I could never get past like the first two episodes. Like it was like it's fun, but it was like really easy to like like step away from and forget about. And then I finally this year during quarantine, I sat down, I watched all of Red Baron, and by the end of it, like there are there are episodes of Ultra Seven and Ace and Ultraman. Like I, n- no single episode of Red Baron is better than some of the best episodes of the Ultra series. But overall, I would say Red Baron is my favorite Showa Tokusatsu show, just as an overall show. Um, just it, it's very even in quality and just really good. Um, but the the whole point of that tangent being uh, the bicycle inspector. If any of y'all who've seen Red Baron, the yeah. bicycle inspector is the human form of Ultra Father Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that was, and, and I remember, I remember watching, like rewatching that episode in my, you know, my Mill Creek set, and just be like, wait a second, <laughs> is is that is that? <laughs> um, because I guess his major talent in the Japanese television industry at the time was wearing fake facial hair. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that episode is really, and the thing, the thing tying all these episodes together, minus one of them, is is the snokusatsu the the really beautiful tokusatsu in the snow well and the, the the santa episode is crazy anyway like uh oh yeah fa- ultra father it turns out he's santa claus and he's also a ghost in this episode too because he's he died in the <laughs> yeah. two-parter so he's santa claus and a ghost here and this yeah. one has some like just crazy things that i can't explain like they they bring all these uh presents to what the school or whatever and, <laughs> and like an orphanage yeah and and hokuto and uh i think it's dan's sister they they, they like open the kids' presents, like in front of them for some reason. Like they open the the children's presents and and Dan's, uh, yeah. you know, he's carrying around presents that are like half wrapped. <laughs> That's <laughs> that was product placement, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like because because you because I remember you came into one of the group chats talking about that, and I looked at him like, oh no, that that's some ultra board game or something. Like that's product placement. <laughs> they wanted to make sure you could see the logo of that yeah. one. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, this is pre Bandai <laughs> stuff where they just like would. If and this I, were a show made today, they would have been flashing the game in front of the screen for 25 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And it was, that is a point worth bringing up, is that the monsters and Anks are so weird because of toy sales. Yeah. Is, is they really, they wanted to make these monsters that were really attractive to, for kids to buy the toys of. And then when the toy sales for Ultraman Ace were kind of low... They wound up focusing on the vehicles for Ultraman Taro. And then, and then that's why the monsters in Taro are just... Literally 
foam rubber pieces just kind of slapped together into a vague shape of a kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> I would be a little more generous than that. I would be too. At the same but time, you're not entirely wrong. No. <laughs> well, yeah, I know the other one, uh, the Woo episode you guys have talked about. I was about to get to that one, yes. Yeah. Um, well, but I mean, before that, I actually I wound up revisiting the one just before that, which was the um, Shishigoran episode with the lion dance monster. Oh, that's a fun one. It is like well, and that was one that I remember being kind of unimpressed with when I first watched it back in the day on with no subtitles. When I watched it this time, I was really struck with like how intense some of the miniature sets were because like the whole episode takes place in like. It's like the lumber district of Tokyo or something, because it's like all this like 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 tree trunks and like processed lumber and unprocessed lumber and 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 like you see that all around like the live action stuff, but they also reflect that in the miniature set, and it's really intense. It's like wow, they worked really hard on these sets. And then on top of that, the story is this kid's dad is, like, the the local, like, that part of town's, like, main, like, lion dance guy. And I, I think it's, like, a... I think it's related to Chinese New Year because it's all winter stuff. Um, so it's, like, January, February. Uh, and it's, like, a it's a cleansing of evil spirits that the, the lion dance is supposed to do. And at some point before the episode starts, you know, he did his lion dance, and he got knocked over by some drunks, and injured his leg, and they were making fun of his lion dance. Like, I'm never going to do the lion dance again. Uh, and then he brings home some random statue, which is, and enshrines it, and it's like, oh, it's some random deity my dad brought home and enshrined. <laughs> and now he prays to it. And then that possesses the the lion dance costume, like the, the mask. And so when his kid gets inside the lion costume, he gets stuck in it and then gets transformed into a giant monster. And then the, the random deity possesses the father to get out the lion dance drum and lead his possessed lion costumed kaiju son down the street in a rampage of destruction. <laughs> it's really... As far as stories go, it's really pretty spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> I had actually forgot about this episode till you mentioned it, but I, I, now that you've talked about it again, yeah, that that is a really fun, very yeah. unique <laughs> episode. You know, yeah, and by the end of it, it's like, oh, no, I fucked up, but I'm going to keep doing the lion dance, and I'm going to cleanse the evil spirits, and it's... I don't. It's really sweet and fun, and also the father is played by I don't know his name, uh, but <laughs> it's the um, the the main reporter guy from the original Godzilla. Right, um, right, right, right. Yeah, actually, I know the guy. Yeah, I, yep. I don't know the actor's name. But is it Hagiwara in Godzilla? Um, I think his name is. But yeah, like the main reporter guy who's following everyone around in the original Godzilla. And yeah, he plays you, you can see him in a ton of Toho films yeah and it's just it's a, it's a really great little turn that he does is this this depressed alcoholic possessed by a random deity he brought home father uh which you know i guess is is actually the the, mach, the machinations of some alien or you pull they, they never really go into it though like <laughs> as far as i know he found some deity in the woods that is a good uh, episode i like that one 
Yeah, and like again with subtitles to kind of clarify it, and then like with the Blu-ray quality, I'm like, wow, no, I did not expect the miniatures in this episode to be so spectacular. And they also do a couple of um, outdoor shots with natural sunlight when the monsters first appear. And so natural sunlight on miniatures always like really sells miniatures better than any studio like can. Um, so it looks really, mm-hmm. really spectacular. And then of course the next two episodes are both uh, favorites of mine. Um, like they're not super spectacular in terms of story, um, but in terms of the way they're shot, uh, the the Isron and Wu episode. That's then- another really good one. Yeah, and then the one after that, I know, I know the chat was not as much of a fan of, but the the Yeti episode. <laughs> but I just think they're both really incredible, like very like the snow in the the Tokusatsu miniature sets is really incredible. Um, just some really incredible uh, special effects compositions in those episodes. Real quick, uh, it uh, it yeah, go ahead. Bro. Oh uh, well, hold on to your thought, Matt. Uh, real quick. Because I I feel the same way about the Ultraman episode with Wu, but I don't I don't quite get Wu. Like, <laughs> okay, what <laughs> is Wu? How does Wu's Wu work? Why is Wu always seemingly like a reincarnation of somebody? Like, I don't know if there's a cultural thing here. Someone just educate me on like what 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 what's its deal. I, I don't know specifically if Wu is... I, I know the original episode talks about the, the, the Snow Woman yokai. Right, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I'm, I'm familiar with that like, lore, I don't I guess. know if Wu is specifically referencing <laughs> any particular ghost. If it is, I don't, I don't know. Forgive me. Um, but, like, like, knowing enough about, like, Japanese, like, yokai stories and stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, someone is reincarnated as this big hairy monster who protects dirt people face. <laughs> yeah okay sure i buy it <laughs> that 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 works i mean the same the same in the same vein as you know oh the cat that lives to 100 years old grows a second tail and gets powers and you know the umbrella that you threw away you know grows an eye and a tongue and comes to haunt you you know like yeah okay i buy that <laughs> you know um so I, I don't know that it's a reference to anything in, in particular, but it does feel really natural along the lines of just how, like, yokai are, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think... Wu became, uh, I was going to say, Wu became, like, a meme, like, from non-Ultraman fans. Somebody just, yeah. like... <laughs> really? That's my favorite yeah, thing. Just, yeah, there's, there's a whole meme, meme going around, and it's the picture of Wu from the original show with a caption, when, you're, when your computer you know, loses power, shuts off, and you're looking at your blank screen or something. Um, <laughs> like your reflection and how dumb he and He just looks like so oh, derpy with that, his yeah. snaggle tooth. And, and it's <laughs> been around right. for like, this was well before the Mill Creek stuff came out, so it just always yeah, cracked like me up. It has what, 14, 15? Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah, I, you know, I never really liked the original Wu episode. Like, obviously, I'm I'm a sucker for any tokusatsu scene that includes snow and, and it's done well. Um, well, that's where I was going to go, actually, Jerry. Is like, it bumps me out that we don't have more winter settings in tokusatsu. Like, the, I always think of, you know, Gamera 2 and stuff, but you don't you yeah. really get that in, I mean, in Son of Godzilla at the end. But, like, 
Yeah, it's it not. Just, really, it's, it is not common enough, and like, and especially because like the winter, like, because Ace Ace continued what Return of Ultraman started, where they were doing the the horror series. Because Return of Ultraman did the winter horror series, and then Ace did both a summer horror series and a winter horror series. I did not like the ones in Return of Ultraman. No, they suck. They were. They were <laughs> yeah, really they weren't. They weren't great. Well, and like, because y'all know how how I feel about that one two part, the the Black King two part yeah. of Return of Ultraman. That was such a bummer, and I knew that the show was going to get a little worse after that. But like, when the first two episodes that hit me were those first two winter episodes, and like, now this sucks. I need to check out. And I literally, I dropped the show for a couple of weeks to go do something else because just the one two punch of of the the Return of Ultraman pseudo finale and then the really shitty episodes that followed, you know, I was like, I, I need a break. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was I was riding such a high off of the show up until that point. Um, but I really loved what Ace did. Like, again, the, the, the Lion Dance episode and then the two episodes that are, like, all in, like, snowbound mountains. Um, just really gorgeous special effects work. And I really wish we got more of that. And I, I honestly, I wish I wish that Ultraman series could run longer these days. I know Bird, no. would, I know Bird <laughs> would hate it, but like not I, not Z. <laughs> I I'm in your I'm in your boat, Jared. I I wish they were longer too. I miss nope. the days of just having like 50 episodes to just you know parse through. My nope. my specifically nope. my specific <laughs> point is that when the show ran for a whole year, that they would do these 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 themed episodes based around whatever was happening at the time. You know, like you have multiple Setsubun episodes, you have multiple Christmas episodes. You know, all these like like worldwide and Japanese specific holidays you know and and winter horror series and you don't have to be at the same time of year for that you don't have to gremlins came out in the summer that's a christmas movie i am saying it's fun (laughs) uh no if it came out in the summer it's not a christmas movie bird just like die hard it's not but yeah i I don't think we could the, the nugent stuff is bad yeah, no, I, mean, I, I, well, think, I think bad is a little too blunt. I, I, too harsh, and y'all haven't seen Very it, harsh. So. You guys haven't seen no. X or Tyga? No, no, that's not true. Wait, wait, wait. I am a staunch proponent of X. Good. But, yep. but, but Z, the, the most recent one, just like broke my brain. Z is I'm sure will. It sucks. That, that is a mediocre show that got too much hype because it was the first show that had been. All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's just. We, it's, I, we everyone yeah, relax, it's okay? Let's, okay. Let's, all right, okay. all right. Are there any more episodes fine. that you have, Jared? That you? <laughs> I'm just gonna check real quick. Uh, I mean that. I mean honestly, one of them is definitely one you're gonna talk about. So I mean, the other one is I really love. I actually watched it today. Was the traffic signal episode? Yeah, that's a pretty that's good a one. one. It's it's not in my list, but that is that that is a, a fun one. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I one, skipped that was... one that I know is on your list. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean that's another one that I watched just today, and that's another great episode. Of, like, it's not, it's not the most exciting, but they get really, again, really avant-garde with the editing and cinematography, and uh, it's it's just fun, you know. So okay, I don't really have much more to say about that one because honestly, I will say I did find the ending of it rather anticlimactic, like. 
once the monster shows up, it's kind of less interesting compared to the first part of the episode um, with the, with all the weird traffic light shit going on. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think I think I've talked plenty enough, bird. All right, so I'll I'll end with um, two of the three. I th- there's three summer horror ones, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, two of the three I'll I'll save for last for mine. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, I I I uh, I I think we've talked en- enough about the Metron Junior and um, Ace Killer two parters, um, mm-hmm. which those those are fa- all the two parters are really good. Um, but we've talked about those. The other <clears throat> one I really like we we mentioned, yeah. but the Hippori Hipporit. I don't know if Hipporito. I'm saying it right. Hipporito. There we go. Yeah. Um, that that two parter is really good. Um, it it, it kind of repeats some of the stuff from the Ace Killer, but uh, that's the one where I, I mentioned um, Hokuto. You know, he's going <laughs> to give this kid this broken ass toy, and the captain's like, "Can you get him a? Uh, can you be a normal human being and give him a, <laughs> give him give him one that's not broken?" Uh, um, the the thing about that though, and the I I think I, overall I like the that one and the Ace Killer two parters more than the Metron one, but the thing neither of them really give me is the the exciting climax that you have in the Metron two parter. Both of them like are very, like, Deo Ex Machina, like, solutions. Like, the Ace Killer is like, oh, the all the other Ultras just, like, remembered they could channel all their energy into Ace and everything's okay now. And then this one is like, yeah, uh, Ultra Father is going to come and just save the day and... Thanks, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he, he, he sacrifices himself for for the the ultra brothers um but that's a really a really good two-parter i thought um and then um uh the the veracron 2 episode i really like that one um that's the, uh, again that's another one with one of my favorite hokuto things where he's like yeah i'm going to go to this <coughs> busted ass building with a chair in the middle of the room, and that's the dentist. Okay, and then he and then he's like, "Oh, that this dentist place was really suspect." It's like no shit, but uh, yeah. But that was that was one I watched that this morning. I rewatched that this morning, and that was another one where just again, like the editing and camera work is just yeah. Really- that that one out of all of these, I will say, um, uh. That one had a really cool visual flair to it that yeah. I really didn't get from a lot of the like. There's there's a yeah there's a handful of episodes that really have that, and um, you know I looked up I even looked up the director I was like oh is this like another like Akio Jisoji guy like that I should know and it's like no it's just some guy. Um, Akio Jisoji doesn't direct anything in the seventies, but I feel like. I feel like the seventies run of ultra shows owes so much. Yeah, I, I wonder his, if maybe who whoever w- was making this yeah. episode, I wonder if maybe they were like I, you know, channeling yeah. that influence. But yeah. and and I think that's something that this show is kind of missing a little bit in that they don't really have 
an all-star director like anywhere really that I know of. I could be wrong, but um you know, I did I did wonder if some of my favorite episodes had a consistent director and they were like all across the board. So yeah. Yeah, it, so like like you know, um Ultraman, you know, there's a lot of Jisoji in there. Ultra 7, there's a, a bunch of a crap ton of Jisoji in there, you know, in um uh, Return, you have a, a bunch of Ashiro Honda episodes, and you have uh, uh, Shu Matsubiyoshi, who did The Last War. He's he's he he was in there, like. And then you get here, and it's like these, you know. I I think maybe some of these directors are maybe kind of channeling those guys in their style, but it, it definitely doesn't. To me, this is the first show where it's like, yeah, there's not really like an all star director i can point to um but anyway no that episode's really good the veracron 2 is really weirdly visual the the design is quite a bit different from the first one um i think it's a brand new suit yeah it it definitely is two suits actually uh there's this one kaiju makles it's this kind of dinosaur with this big floppy fin yeah um yeah that was turned into the Veracron 2 suit. Yeah, and, oh. and, um, speaking of poor Machlis, uh that that's one of the 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 monsters here. Oh. A lot of them are like excused as being like alien pawns are already evil, but that poor bastard, he he's like sensitive to sound and he just wanted everyone to be quiet. Yeah. And he got <laughs> murdered. That's that's the one that's that the return murdered. of episode uh, return of Ultraman episode. Yeah. Like that that one that was one of my least favorite episodes because it really felt like they were struggling. Okay, that's but, the one you guys were saying earlier feels like a leftover from Yeah. 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 yeah well really that does. that would explain the, the poor innocent monster getting killed horribly. <laughs> <laughs> you got like this like in that episode, uh not to tangent, but you you got an episode that episode has like a big dinosaur that, you know, isn't like, you know, turning people into gold or, you know, spitting out mermaids to seduce men or anything. It's or just any weird thing Ace usually throws at you. It's just a big dinosaur that doesn't like sound. And you've got Hokuto's friend who's into car racing like Go was. And it's just like they just like swap out the names and stuff. Right. Or Yeah, um, like it really because I remember watching that episode and it's just like what what makes this a choju? <laughs> <laughs> Like this, like like that, like really highlighted how directionless the show felt for a while, and I mean, really a, a lot. Like even even some of my favorite episodes of the second half of Ace still feel kind of directionless after Yapool is offed, you know, unless they specifically bring the Yapool back, like in Velikron Two, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, Machlis, he gets his whole back fin ripped off. Uh, so pour one out. Um, so uh, another one that I really like is uh, the taper episode. Now this is my when it comes to Ace, this is my jam because this is just this is just the show at its most bananas. Um, so we have this taper in in the zoo, and uh, uh, the this this taper. Um, has a cold, and uh, children that visit the zoo uh, pick on the taper, um, 
I, I don't know if it's be, I think it's because he has a cold or something. Um, and the the taper uh, it sticks its face under um, a little girl's skirt after being berated by these kids because he has a cold. Um, and the taper's only friend is the I don't know if he's like a zookeeper, but his caretaker at the zoo um, is is this uh, old, this crazy old man who uh, makes the taper eat his nightmares. Um, which actually is probably the most normal thing about this episode because in Japan, <laughs> tapers uh, are are um, they represent dreams, and I guess they're said that they eat dreams. Um, there's a Zone Fighter episode with a, a taper monster that yeah. messes with people's dreams too. Um, there, so, there are multiple Pokemon as well. Yeah, so so tapers and dreams is like a thing in Japan. So if if I sounded so that's actually the most normal thing here. Um, so this this de- this this taper's got all kinds of problems. He's depressed because he's eating this <laughs> this guy's nightmares. Kids are picking on him, uh, and uh, um, and yeah. So so this taper, uh, they they decide that you know it, it's it's uh, erratic. It's behaving erratically, and and so they decide to have a public execution for the taper by firing squad. <laughs> <laughs> and um and and so yeah the taper turns into a big a big monster and th- this is one i believe where uh an ultra was was uh uh merciful and did not like kill it in the worst most grotesque way possible at the end um and the the the, the taper is able to you know resume its its normal everyday life of of eating the dreams of of a depressed old man um but that episode is like i want that 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 episode is top tier ace like that's the top that's got to be in my top five and that's what i mean when i like i said i love when this show just goes it just pumps the gas and it just goes pedal to the metal like you know we're gonna go crazy nothing's gonna make sense we're this this car is crashing into the wall and that is that is the taper episode. Um, another one that really nobody, whether in our, our 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 private chats or on this podcast, has talked about that I really like is the one with um, it's this kind of starfish creature. Um, what's this thing's name? Um, like Katai Gag Gag. Kataigagan or something. Yeah, Kataigagan. Um, yeah, uh, I actually really like this episode. I, I, it feels like a lot of people kind of, this is one that kind of <clears throat> feels like a nothing kind of episode, but um, I really I really enjoyed this one. The monster is kind of nutty looking. and He's fun. Yeah, they all do. They all are crazy. But um, but yeah, that that's uh, this monster that it's, its scales look like uh, seashells and there's this little boy on the beach who is collecting them and his sister tells him you know after you collect a, a thousand of these you know our our father who is deceased he'll he'll come back to life and i guess it's it's because she never had the, she didn't have the heart to explain like hey you know dad's dead he's never coming back and so um you know hokuto ends up you know befriending this kid and um and he's like trying to tell the sister, like, you got to tell him the truth, that his dad is, is dead, is not coming back. And so there's a little bit of kind of message of, like, you know, maybe kids are smarter and more, you know, mentally 
there than than we give them credit for. And you know, it's important to to make sure they know these things. Um, and and it just kind of uh, felt like a sweet episode, you know. And and it's about how this kid kind of learns to let go of of you know this hope that that his his father will come back to life and um i just really i i really enjoyed that one and uh and then of course i mentioned i have two of the three summer horror episodes the first that these are i'd say these two in the taper are like my top 3 um we have the king crab episode um which there's a crab monster and <laughs> a kid who has a horseshoe crab that he's friends with because it is uh, telepathically linked to him because it's possessed by the spirit of his dead father. <laughs> and <laughs> that, the, oh, I, I, I sound like I'm on drugs right now. Uh, but, um, and so, so the episode is kind of this mystery about this crab monster and this kid and his horseshoe crab dad are helping TAC like get to the bottom of it. Um, and it's every bit as weird as it sounds. And then I got to go. Probably my favorite episode. The one right after that is Kaura, which I think we all unanimously yes. have on here. And, and it's like, I, I appreciate you all giving me this moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is an interesting episode. First of all, it, it, uh, um, kind of lets uh, uh, plebs like me and on some a little bit of culture. We have the Japanese uh, Oban festival or celebration, uh, but uh, you know how um, you know these cows that we eat are sacred animals because they are giving up their lives for us. And um, there's um, you know these piles of uh, the nose rings that that cows wear that um like there's thousands of them piled up like as like a tribute like a shrine kind of thing um and that's all like actual like culture i'm like oh that's that's a cool thing to learn but the other thing is this episode is absolutely bonkers um (laughs) so you have uh um our 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 normal TAC member uh, Yoshimura, I think it is. I already kind of forgot his name. I think that's it. Um, but he's going. Uh, he's he's taking that holiday um, off of work, um, and he's going to go spend it uh, in the village he grew up in with his mom. And um, on the bus, he befriends this vagrant weirdo who like automatically like he comes in with a big thing of popcorn he's like you want some popcorn he's spilling popcorn everywhere <laughs> and and uh he's just uh you know trying yoshimura's trying to eat his lunch next to him he's like here take some popcorn he like throws some popcorn into his plate and then like he grabs some of his food which is like more of a a rice dish um and you know i this is me maybe giving I don't know. I maybe I'm. I don't know if I'm giving too much credit to, to, to something an epi- something this dumb. But uh, you know, the the episode's theme is about you know the modern Japan represented by this crazy vagrant and you know traditional Japan. And so you know, I don't know if like he's eating popcorn is a more modern snack versus Yoshimura's you know more traditional Japanese rice dish. Um, but then we we get into that that that. What, whatever subtext is there becomes text later on when he's, you know, he's kind of open. For whatever reason, Yoshimura is just like, yeah, you can, like, come and follow me around and sleep at my house or <laughs> sleep with sleep at my mom's house. 
It's like, what? Why? Uh, anyway, so this guy is, is way more disrespectful to those customs, and he's like, I don't get why you believe this. You're a city guy. Why do you believe this stuff? And um, he takes one of, there's a specific word for it that is slipping my mind, uh, starts with an H, but he takes one of those uh, cow nose rings and puts it on his wrist, and he's like, you shouldn't do that. Like, it's disrespectful. Like, these, this is here in tribute to these cows that gave their lives for us. And so he he puts that on his wrist and... No, he, fuck him. Don't be a square, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And he slowly goes through this, like, Cronenbergian body horror transformation <laughs> into, into this uh, cow monster. And so there's, like, these really kind of unsettling sequences where he's, like... Before he turns into the the Yap will notice this and turn him into the giant Kaura monster, but like where he's like walking on you know uh, on like elongated arms and he's got a a cow's head and it's really weird. Um, and then yeah, he turns into the giant Kaura, which and then we get into our Ultraman Ace, you know, Monster of the Week. Go fight the bad guy, um, and then he uh, he he manages to break the Yapool's control over him and, like, he starts, like, petting him and it's really strange. And then uh, he he turns back into the guy and then at the end everyone's laughing and he's like, uh, <laughs> good thing I'm a human. He's like, uh, good thing I'm a human again. I think I'm going to stay here and uh, I'm going to live in this village uh, now and, like, uh, I'm going to be a farmer and celebrate, uh, you know, the Oban... Uh, customs and um, you know I, I don't th- I don't know I don't even know if I'm gonna eat cows you know and then he jokes like I'd hate to become a cannibal and everyone's just like har 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 and then the episode ends and it's so I gotta <laughs> I gotta say I don't know if this was intentional and I also can't believe you glossed over it he already is a cannibal <laughs> <laughs> because he eats humans in calvary form like there's some people at a steakhouse. And they're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. this is great steak. Oh, nom, 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 you know. And then <laughs> That's <Kaura> right. <laughs> sidles up along the window and busts his head in the restaurant. And then when he pulls his head out, he has people hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it is an incredible episode. It is so, absolutely amazing. Since we're on the subject of Kaura, um, that episode was written by Toshiro Ishido, who last season wrote the Oxter episode of Return of Ultraman. That guy has a thing cow about monster. cows. And he apparently an awesome wrote, episode, by the way. He oh, yeah, wrote yeah. a Silver Common episode about cows, too. And one of the Ultraman 80 episodes he did, um, which was about a killer baseball glove, uh, <laughs> which, you know, is made of cow leather. The man, the man had some kind of cow fetish or fear or something. Hey, you know, got... People have themes. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and another another mention about uh, the King Crab episode. To go back real quickly, that episode and I and episode two I know also does it. And there might be more, but um, both of those episodes, possibly more. Um, like they, there's specific scenes where. Um, they're like, oh yeah, Hokuto, he's Ultraman Ace, but like no one says anything about Minami. Like no one gives her credit for being <laughs> Ultraman Ace, also. Because she's yeah. a woman. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Um 
so yeah, th- so those are my picks, and then um, uh, a couple two thing two episodes that didn't make any of our list, but I feel like we should talk about uh, in passing at least the Red Jack episode. I want to bring up because that's another like oh my gosh, Hokuto is such a moron episodes <laughs> it, it, it begins with like uh him barricading the street because there's this mysterious uh smoke coming from the sky which uh, yeah in an ultraman series like what else could that mean besides something horrible is about to happen and there's this car with this this you know the these people and they're like oh our, our mom is um you know, we need to get her to the hospital. It's on that side of town. Like, let us through. Instead of, like, maybe, like, calling an ambulance or, like, trying to tell them where there's a different hospital to go to, he's just like, oh, okay, like, yeah, I guess it's okay. Go ahead. And, of course, the monster shows up, and the first thing it does is, like, step on their car or whatever. Um, and then he gets, like, he and then <laughs> and then he like does it again later <laughs> like there's these bikers that like bypass their barricade and instead of like you know trying to call in backup to like save them or go after them himself he's he's just like hey stop and of course they get killed too and so <laughs> he does it twice and then he gets fired for it um and then he breaks his suspension by saving Yamanaka who you know that guy's a miserable human anyway but <laughs> and then they're like oh we'll let you back so yeah that that was crazy i had to mention that and then um we didn't mention our friend hideki go returns oh that's another uh, episode. in an episode uh only the twist is he's an evil alien he's not hideki go but but there we get um i forget the girl's name uh that comes into the last half of not Return. Aki. yeah her and uh her it, her little brother Yoko, i think yep um, they're introduced in this episode's eating ice cream cones in a very bizarre way. Uh, I don't know if it's like a thing in Japan or what, but they they have two ice cream cones that look like someone like put on top of each other. Like someone put the ice cream attached the ice cream parts of two cones, and then they're holding it by the cone part and like eating it like corn on the cob. I don't know if that's normal. Um, yeah, I don't know either. It's always <laughs> been really strange. <laughs> um, but anyway, the so fake Hideki Go turns out to be an alien who, uh, when he's revealed, he looks more like if Hideki Go joined like a glam rock band, like he he became a member of the New York Dolls or something. Um, and uh, that I part of me wishes it was the real Hideki Go because. <laughs> That guy's already a maniac, and you know it'd also be it'd also be a good way to you know catch up with him and what he's doing. Um, but that was definitely worth a mention. And then none of us talked about the finale, which is interesting. Uh, I, I will say about the Hideki Go thing is it is it that was watching that again, having so recently finished Return of Ultraman, like it really has started to put it in perspective. Like, oh, literally, this show started the week after Return of Ultraman ended. So, like, this is like less than three months later. Oh shit, Hideki Go, what's up with him? You know, <laughs> right? Um, so that, that 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 that's been really interesting. And then and also the same with with Minami showing up again in Ultraman Taro. You know, it's like oh shit, what what's up with her? You know, like yeah. I don't know. It's it, 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 it's made it 
real to me. Like, cause I've se- I, I'd been reading it in books since I started getting into this and collecting books on the subject. I'm like, oh yeah, this person shows up in this, and this person shows up. Like, oh no, literally, these are weeks apart. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And then, so the finale episode. Uh, interesting that none of us picked it. Um, it's fine. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a decent finale. I've, it's got some moments. So I that's really when like. we get a, a return of the Apool. Only it disguises itself as this adorable little helpless alien creature, um, and for whatever reason, Hokuto. I mean, we know why. It's because he's an idiot. Um, <laughs> but he entrusts the the safety and well being of this alien to children who he, he saw like playing Ultra Brothers. You know, with, you know, I one kid has an Ultra 7 mask and so on and so forth. And uh, he's like, yeah, you guys can watch him. It's like, so he, he's trying he, to set a good example. <laughs> he puts the, these kids in uh, harm's way. Um, and then uh, <laughs> I thought particularly weak was his reasoning as to why he couldn't be Ultraman Ace anymore, which was if he transforms in front of somebody he won't have the power anymore, which is just brought up out of nowhere. And secondly, him and Minami multiple times in this show transform in front of other people. <laughs> and it's just never addressed. Uh, <laughs> um, so I don't know why. Th- so that's weir- a weird rule for some reason. It's like this guy, this guy is very reckless about keeping his secret identity, first of all. Um, but yeah, he's put in a position where like he he the, he can't he can't bring himself to lie to a child because it would break the child's <laughs> it would like crush his spirit and ruin him for the rest of his life. And it's like, yeah, this kid probably goes home and still thinks Santa's real, you know, but he can't <laughs> like it, for whatever reason, you know, he can't bring himself to lie to a child because it's going to ruin him forever. So he 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 tells him that he's Ultraman Ace. And uh, and he uses that as like that's going to be his final transformation. I, that that explanation was completely bogus and out of left field. Um, but yeah, other than that, other than that, it's it's fine. It's 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 the first finale of these shows that didn't really like strike me as being much of anything. I guess. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't remember what the theme was. I don't. Maybe Connor remembers, but that was one of the episodes they showed early in quarantine when they were like, Oh, we're going to release episodes for free that were like, like try and impart lessons to kids. Um, but I don't remember what the theme Cause I remember, I remember watching I, that. I think it was something year. like, um, God, I wasn't it something about like, you know, trust or, you know, telling the, you know, honesty or something. It's I been think, yeah. Something along those lines. But yeah, that that just it worth, feels worth like it's been thing. twenty years since that right, whole yeah. campaign. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for real. But yeah, I thought, I thought worth worth noting that that was one of the episodes. I think it was like five episodes that were included, or it was like ten. But yeah, um, and then uh, I had yeah, one more episode so, I wanted to bring up that I forgot. Yeah, what was up? What, what what do you got? That was the uh, give the pigeon back episode with the. The black pigeon. Uh, yeah. I, I, so I, we haven't talked about that. I think that's it's a really, really fun one too. That episode's decent. Like yeah, I, I like that one, but it's, it's it's I wouldn't say it's a favorite, but it's 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 good. What you don't like when they have a funeral for the pigeon and we get to see a breathe his last breath? Oh like, yeah, I mean <laughs> they probably killed multiple birds making that episode. Uh, 
And yeah, we get to see Ace brutally murder a, a child's pet bird also. Um, and yeah, there's also I the mean, Sphinx it, one with the alien girl and Ace chucks her into the sun or something at the end. <laughs> or he throws her into the sky and she becomes a star. Something like that. Um, uh, I for, the Sabbath Tinder episode is pretty fun too. Yeah. That, that one I really like. The other one with... Um, the guy who played Alien Steel, I don't remember his name now. Uh, that was the other one where he dies. <laughs> <laughs> he gets murdered by a cactus. Oh, yeah, yeah. The cactus one's pretty fun, too. Um, yeah. So, uh, I guess um, a little, be- a couple behind the scenes trivia bits and, and before we head out. Um, first of all, did you guys know Dora Gori suppo- is supposed to be a moth? Yes. yes. I've, that's not how moths look. Uh, no, if you look at registered. if you look at his like the lower part of his body, you can see kind of like moth wings. Going yeah, on yeah, there. and kind of like moth patterns. Um, I, my my introduction to Dora Gory was an Ultraman Mabius, where they literally have a giant moth in one scene. Um, but yeah, that the I'm, Dora Gory because of Ultraman Ace has always been a bit a favorite of mine. So yeah, <laughs> um, I will say, and 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 this. This also this happens a little bit in return, but I really feel like it here. Like we talked about kaiju designs, and you guys brought up Taro. How like monsters are just like stuff that slap together. <laughs> this is where the monster designs start to get kind of. I don't know if I want to say generic, but uh, I mean a lot of the monsters we've talked about are more memorable. But overall, I feel like the monster design takes a step down in this series to where, like. I could watch an episode and then two hours later not even remember what the monster looked like. It's like a lot, a lot of the monsters just look like a bunch of stuff like smashed together to where it's, they're almost so indecipherable indecipher, that they become generic, if I'm yeah. making any sense. I, 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 I think it wanna... mainly happens, in, in my opinion at least, after the, the main retool with Yapul being gone and Minami leaving because... The first part of the show, you got some really strong designs with like Velocron, Vakashim, Doragori, you know, Barabbas, all these kind of like really memorable, interesting monsters. And then you get to the the next half and you get like a lot of, you know, kind of vague dinosaur shape with a lot of like weird granular details. Yeah, on it's him, like here's here's like, here's like a dinosaur like thing, but like one of his arms is going to be like a tentacle and then the other one's going to be like a hook and then he's yeah. going to have just yeah. have this weird spike hanging out of his belly for some reason and then he's going to have a horn here and like it it's just like yeah it's just like a little kid's drawing of just stuff <laughs> like they just look like stuff that's how yeah, i would say like yeah and, and, and to a degree i kind of i kind of like that um because it's, it's it's just sort of like you know for a while when i was kind of a newbie ultraman fan i was like oh all the the only good Ultraman kaiju with the Showa era for, are from Q through Return, and after the first couple episodes of Ace, it's all shit. Um, uh, you're the I, worst. I yeah, was the exact a, opposite of that. <laughs> I, I thankfully have grown out of that sort of mindset. Um, uh, but yeah, like, I think with Ace, you know, with like the kind of setup they have, you know, they were trying to do, you know, weirder kind of. I'd say kind of like more horrific, surreal monsters, you know, compared to, you know, your usual alien invaders and big dinosaurs. But I think, you know, you can only like 
produce so many like winning designs in one show. Like even my favorite Ultraman shows, like Return of Ultraman, has a couple of clunkers, especially in the last part of the season. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think once you definitely get to the part of the show where it kind of feels like they're on autopilot, you know, you kind of get the sense that uh, we, we got to pump out another monster this week. Let's dust off a Return of Ultraman script and, uh, you know, design some sort of thumb with a big satellite dish on it. And oh, this <laughs> salad eating monster. Um, yeah, some of the like I'm looking at the 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 booklet right now, and yeah, some of these it's like they have like a sh- a suit that's in a shape, and then they just like look around and see what they can like glue onto it. Like this thing's gonna have a a long uh, horn, uh, and you know another horn that's also gonna be its mouth, and then a bunch of spikes in its chest and knees, and it's just like what is what yeah. is this? I don't even know what I'm looking yeah. at. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, we mentioned Akihiko Iguchi designing many of those monsters. I don't know, Connor. Is there something that that uh, tunes you in to an Iguchi monster versus like the other designers? The same way you would look at like Watanabe versus like Tolnarita. Yeah, um, I think I think Iguchi's designs definitely have a sense of. I want to say like I'm trying to find the right word. I wouldn't say artificialness. There's there's a kind of like symmetry. Like you look at something like Vakashim and you you notice like it's got a unique he's got like a unique shape. And like, you know, Vakashim doesn't look you know, he he's not like a big robot or like a cyborg like Gigan, but like you look at Vakashim and like how angular like his head is and like all the weird, you know, sort of divots along his body, and you get the sense that he is artificial. Um, like there's, there's a sort of like, I'd say elaborate simplicity going on with the Gucci's designs. Mm-hmm. Like I've been trying to do some research, um, because I'm doing a write up on his monsters from, for Heisei Ultra 7. And I've been trying to look for his like design aesthetic and, uh, you know, his, his principles, like what Ikea and, uh, Narita had, but I'm not finding much luck right now. Um, as for Yoshio Suzuki, I think his designs are a little bit easier to spot because Suzuki is very fond of adding weirder details to the monsters. Like, you look at Giant Yakul, who I think is kind of, you know, the apex of what Suzuki tends to design. Like, Giant Yakul has a lot of, like, weird granular details on his, his Did he body. do the pigeon? Because the pigeon has this weird, like, appendage in its belly, and I don't know what, like... I don't know what I the deal is with. I think he did the pigeon, um, but yeah, like you know, you, you have designs with like a lot of granular details. Um, you've got spikes that are just randomly there. You've got yeah. like asymmetrical hands, um, and so that he sort did of a lot thing. of the stuff put smashed together monsters. Yes, he did a lot of the stuff smashed together kaiju. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, and then. Um, uh, Toru Kawai played many of those monsters. He played Godzilla in Terror of Mechagodzilla and Zone Fighter. He was the T-Rex in The Last Dinosaur, and I, I guess apparently he helped operate the new Gamera prop for the new footage for Gamera Super Monster. So in a way, he's kind of the only guy that played Godzilla and Gamera. Um, and then Koichi Kawakita directed, was the special effects director on much of the... Uh, series, especially towards the back half. Um, and, you know, of course, we all know who he is. Um, 
and one last thing I kind of want to touch on is um, we we talked uh, when we did the ace or the return episode. We talked about how like the more the show goes on, you can kind of notice the budget dwindling. Um, going into ace immediately after return, like I noticed right off the bat in the pilot episode, like this is where the the model cars actually start to look like you know the what people think the stereotypical toy car looks like. Um, mm-hmm. the, the miniatures start to get a little, like, when a monster takes a step, like, you can see the bottom of a building, like, shift. <laughs> you know, uh, this is where, and, and I think Jared brings up a good point, because a lot, a lot of the way some of the stuff is shot is really good, but in terms of just certain aspects of it, like the things I talked about, I do see a very big decline in quality. I feel like it picks up towards the end of Ace and going into Taro. It does. I feel like it gets a little better. I don't know what. Yeah. If, I don't know what the budget situation was like, but I definitely also, no, uh, I, I noticed more flubs in the first half. I, yeah. I think they, they, you know, they just came off of Return. They were also doing Mirror Man around the same time too, because Mirror Man began to start like right during like Return's like last portion. So they were doing both of those and, pretty and much like, back to back. I like I was saying earlier, like I really like Mirror Man. I feel like shares a lot of the same issues. Like I've only seen like the first twelve episodes of Mirror Man so far, and like I really like what it's trying to do. But like in terms of like Tokusatsu work, it doesn't really impress me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it has a lot of the same issues as that last third of Return of Ultraman yeah. and that first third of, of Ace. Yeah. Well, I mean, these shows were produced at like a horrible time, you know, and and so resources are scarce on all these shows. So yeah, I, that, that probably has something to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. But we're, we're, we're clocking in uh, quite a long episode here, folks. This might be our longest one yet. It's definitely, oh, no. <laughs> it's probably, we, this like probably, hours, four hours? we're going in, we're almost at three hours. Oh, I don't geez. think we've done an episode that's lasted three hours yet. And I'm determined to, to keep to that standard right now. Um, let's do let's do like a Mazer Patrol and do like a <laughs> yeah twelve eight hour, hour uh, <laughs> Cthulhu right. in Japan episode yeah um, but no uh, this is definitely this is probably top five maybe three longest episode for us but it's been a really good discussion um, and I I do think there's some useful info in here um, so yay but let's let's get our ratings so um, and and closing thoughts here what how many blood spurting piss monsters do we give, Do we want to give Ultraman Ace out of five? I'll go first. Um, <clears throat> I really like Ace overall. It's got a lot of flaws, which we talked about in depth. I like the sort of slapstick quality of how everything is edited together. Um, it can be really colorful and vibrant at times. And we talked about all the different episodes that we, we loved um so i'm at a very favorable like three and a half and it's 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 like this is something that if you like ultraman highly recommended and i could even push that to like a four it does it's not as strong as return Mm. or like the original ultraman or like ultra q but i think there's enough there that most people will find some stuff to like about it okay uh i'll go next um Q, Ultraman, Seven, Return are all shows that I think are 
fantastic. All four probably for different reasons. Ultraman Ace is a definite step down from those four. Um, it doesn't really have, like, I think the first four series were really kind of amazing for me in that as an adult, I could really watch these kids' shows and really see how subversive and um, challenging and um, smart they could be. You know, they would have some kind of socio-political undercurrent um, to them. They would tackle things like, uh, you know, uh, you know, I think of, you know, the Ultra 7 episode, the non-malt episode, you know, that was written by an Okinawan, and when you watch it, it's basically how Japan sucks and <laughs> about how horribly Japan has treated Okinawans. And Just a half-hour screed against yeah. <laughs> and And so, and, and that's kind of my go, one of my go-to episodes when I talk about how this series could really be subversive and, and interesting for a kid's show. And then when you get to Ace, it doesn't really have any of that legitimate, like, oh, wow, this is actually legitimately good, and this is legitimately interesting. Ace, at its best, is just goofy and wacky, and that's fine. But for me, it, it leaves me with a lot less to chew on. And for most of this podcast, I've been really focusing on the positives to Ace, but if there is something I need to say, it's that it does get into a bit of a slog because it never reaches the highs of the previous four shows. And at best, it's like where I would say maybe a middle-tier return episode is. And um, and so just this really seems like it's where it really tries to stop getting into deeper themes, and this is where it goes full-blown kids' entertainment, and that's fine. But it does make it so there's more of a weird consistency of it's fine throughout <laughs> it, you know, uh, you know. So so there's and and oh, we we didn't talk about the worst episode, which is the cruise ship episode, which is absolutely yes. terrible. That's probably the worst episode of any Ultraman anything I've ever seen. I don't I don't think we need to get into that more. If, it just if, sucks. Don't yeah, worry. if we weren't I, I running have, so long, I, I would... Some, I have some positive feelings about it, but they mostly are because of Ultraman Tarot. Oh, well, yeah. we, nobody cares what your feelings are about that right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we weren't going so long, I'd, I'd talk more about that episode, but it's this just terrible. It's going to be over three hours. No. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, Ultra, Ultraman Ace is mostly an It's Fine series, and it doesn't really have those highs where I'm like, ooh, this is great. You know, um, so because of that, and because it's so long, you know that this took me more. It took me more time to get through this show, as you guys know, than than any of the other shows. <laughs> so I have to give it a three, and that's not a super damning three because the the things I like, the episodes I like about, it, I really like, but it just doesn't hit those sweet spots for me like the other four do. do. Um, and so, so yeah, that's where I am. Um, uh, Jared, we'll let you go, uh, next. You know, I'm in a weird, really weird spot. For the longest time, I considered Ace one of my favorites. Like, Ace and Max, like, were, like, my top two for the longest time. And now that I've revisited it after finally, like, finishing Q, finishing Man, finishing Seven and Return, I'm like, okay, 
Like, I can't completely disagree with Bird. Like, it's it's definitely a step down in many regards from those. But at the same time, I do still, like, I have a special place in my heart for it. And I, I think stylistically, some episodes, r- like, rise a lot higher than Bird gives them credit for. Um, I would I would give it, like, a 3.5 out of 5. I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't go higher than that. But, uh, big but... I think like the episodes that I really love, I really love like it. Yeah. It's not as subversive as some of the other episodes, but I feel like even in return of Ultraman, they were already starting to shed that. Um, like, like midway through return of Ultraman, they kind of gave that up already. Uh, and, and it became a lot more pulpy, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, and, like when when it works, it really works. Like again, like I I cannot get enough of like episode four, episode five, you know, just these really weird, pulpy, unsettling shows, you know. Um, so yeah, I would I would land at like a three point five out of five, but like with a bunch of episodes that are really special to me. All right, Connor, wrap us up. All right, I think I would give probably Ultraman Ace a three and a half um, blood squirting piss monsters out of five. <laughs> um, I think I think in some way, in a lot of ways, um, it's definitely a step down from the previous four shows. But I also think Ace has a lot of really unique stuff to offer. You know, it's got a lot of amazing episodes. It's got a lot of really weird sequences. It's got a lot of memorable moments. Um, it's a show that's, you know, when it's not a slog, like in that last part of the show, um, when it's not doing stupid shit like that, <laughs> it's doing stupid shit in the best way. Um, it's a show that I think if you want to watch an Ultraman show that, like, is a full tilt superhero slash bonkers horror story kind of show that Ace would be right up your alley. Like it's, it's unique for a reason. It's, it's definitely probably one of the most memorable 70s tokusatsu shows I've ever seen. And I've seen quite a bit. So, you know, it's pretty fun. Just not as good as, you know, return or Taro in my opinion. All right, uh, so we're actually at three hours. Jeez. <laughs> so, uh, hey, I mean, I'll, you know, to give us some credit, that's 52 episodes of stuff to unpack. And, uh And this is the longest show we've reviewed on this podcast. So that's Ultraman Ace, everybody. But, uh, yeah, let's get the hell out of here. Connor, Jared, thank you for joining us. It's always a Absolutely. pleasure. Mm-hmm. And um, Thanks for having me on. Right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.